ruthless aggression. I forgot to tell you. Yeah. I lied! Don't make fun of me! Welcome to the Ruthless Aggression Podcast, where it is our mission to answer the question, was this really an era? I am your host, Levi, joined with my other host. I'm Kyle. What's up, suckers? Man, uh, not not to date this too much, because, you know, when people come back in 100 years and listen to this podcast, they're not going to be, like, you know, uh, aware of the time, so, but, man, it's been, it's been a minute since we recorded in our uh, our normal format. So, Our normat, if you call it. <laughs> oh, so it's it's good to be back here in, in the old closet with a bunch of noise cancellation. Uh, it's not so hot <laughs> up here anymore. <laughs> Remember, I was dying. I was dying because last time we recorded uh, for Unforgiven, it was August and you know the thick of Texas. Man, I'm just like dying in here. But it feels good now. Yeah, even me. Like I have like a little desk fan. I have to like I'd have to mute my mic and turn it on just to cool me down between saying stuff because I didn't want it to get too much in the mic. It was terrible. Yeah. Heat sucks. I'd rather be too cold and too hot because you can always put on like a jacket or something, and then you can only get so naked in the heat before it just doesn't work anymore. I love wearing shorts in the wintertime so old people can be like, Aren't you cold? Aren't you cold? And they'll come and grab you and peach their, their spider bony fingers into your arm. <laughs> they just uh, they stab you and you're just like writhing in pain. <laughs> Screaming. <laughs> They're just, they have to get louder. Aren't you cold? <laughs> Man, uh, just want to shout out uh, everyone who's followed us on Twitter. We are almost at 200 followers, which I think is crazy, man. We actually got retweeted by uh, one Chris Jericho the other day. Really? Yeah, we did. Wow. Uh, I, I shared a little clip. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm actually like, oh. It just happened last night. I shared a little clip of uh, him doing that moonsault from uh, from the pay-per-view, and uh, he retweeted it. You mean the one that broke the post? Yeah. That, that, I was like, oh, I didn't know that happened. Or I might have like known, but like I didn't know it was this pay-per-view. Yeah, so shout out to Chris Jericho. Shout out to Jim Ross. He liked to tweet. So, I mean, Aw, old JR. So yeah, I uh, just want to appreciate... Uh, appreciate. <laughs> just want to just say thanks to The appreciation. Air. Share the love. Thank you. Exactly. And, uh, you know, sh- shout out to our boys, Josh Robinson over at the Wrestling Rebirth Podcast. He's our boys always shouting us out and... Shout out to uh, Red Arrow Network, Red Arrow Productions, my show is Alex and Jake. Shout out to those fellas, always keeping it 100 like Conan and all that good jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Levi, I, I gotta be honest, I hate you. Good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this is the last episode. Bye.
Bop! Um, and I'm gonna go start Impact Wrestling Cast. Kyle, no. <laughs> that reminds me, you saying that um, Stephanie, my my wife, for those who don't know, I was in the car last night saying, "Hey, what's all those things y'all say on the podcast?" And she was like, "Side story," and I'm just like dying laughing. What is a question? Side story. No, but you oh, know. Man. Thinking about what you're t- um, talking about, like, you always be like, oh, we always ask, is, was this really an arrow? Oh. You know, uh, that's stupid, for one. And two, I hate you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know why. I, I always got to do that. It's like I always got to, like, make something really stupid and then say something real just so I can just get myself ready to say the real thing. No, but when I was in the pay-per-view, like, one thing that kind of stuck out to me, thinking about, like, um, some of the tone and some of, like, the, the backstage segments like the feel of this pay-per-view compared to some earlier ones, kind of more like leaning towards Attitude Era stuff is like the Attitude Era was very much like, like kind of like crash TV in your face, like hardcore extreme, you know, like, Oh, look at us. We're edgy. And that you get that feeling still a bit right now, but everything feels a bit more like tongue in cheek. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. And, um, I think there are two like huge differences between the shows right now, and obviously Paul Heyman is the head writer of SmackDown at this time, and I'm not sure who's over Raw, but there's a there's a huge difference. It's like yeah, all all like there's a lot of segments that just feel like they're trying to be funny, but not like overtly comedic. Like for instance, opening the show, the whole thing where just kind of Taker's just sitting there, just like man spreading hardcore. And he's like, oh, my hand, man. <laughs> like, he, he, like, seriously, he is like a freaking two, three feet. He was spreading hard. It was really weird. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, he was like looking at his cast going, oh, man, my hand hurts. This sucks. And, well, he wasn't saying that. And then Kane comes and sits down next to him. He's like, oh, oh so was your week. Tee-hee, you know. Cue the Kirby enthusiasm. Yeah, it's, it's like it wasn't funny. It was just kind of like, like, haha, this is a joke. This is a joke the people who watch the show get. Ha, ha. You know, rather than like today, like all their comedy is so like broad. You know, it's like slapstick. Like everybody can like be like teehee at it because it's so just trying to cater just to the masses, I guess. They're just mm-hmm. lowest lowest common denominator. Whereas if, I don't know, it's just it's kind of struck me as weird. You know what I'm saying? I, what I have here is. Uh... Start with Undertaker looking at his casted hand, looking all contemplative, because it's been a rough month for him, as we'll discuss later. Kane sits down next to him and says, So, how was your week? And I just have in all caps, WOMP WOMP. <laughs> I mean, it was unnecessary. I, I, I kind of understand why they did it, but unnecessary. Yeah, I guess like only reason I feel like they do it is because they're both in high-profile feuds and vi- involving like, oh, woman troubles, my right, guys? And <laughs> they're trying to be like, hey, wait a minute. They, they both were, they're like brothers. How about they like actually talk or something? Wouldn't that be silly? Let the truth be told. Kane is a murderer. Kane, you are a murderer. Denial fuels the anger. Champion, facing the world heavyweight champion, winner 
see. Kane might be able to take the life of a sweet girl like Katie Vick. You think I want to get in the ring with a murderer? Be able to take my title. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, basically, that being said, welcome to No Mercy, Mother Lovers. Whoop! And aren't you excited after that rousing introduction? How oh, was your week? Welcome to the show! No, but, uh, yeah, as you said, like, the opening package highlights the two world title matches. <laughs> I'm sorry. In my head, I was still thinking of Unforgiven with the, the ghouly, ghastly woman. She was like, we have two world title matches. The one where she's like, they are all going to fight each other. That one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this just oh. the guy? Is this just the guy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The the woman's gone, you know. Which is strange. You figured he'd bring her in for the Halloween closer to episode, but <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I, I remember uh, all I just remember from it was it being very melodramatic to the point where uh, I was watching it and my wife Crystal was sitting next to me. And she kind of looks at me like, "This is dumb." Wife alert! Wife alert! What, what? Wife alert! She's wife now. Whoop whoop! <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like whatever they're talking about, you know, like oh, you know, my pregnant wife, bloody blue, Brock Lesnar, you're a big meanie. And then it has like Brock being like, "I'm going to hurt you a lot," and it cuts to those like shots Undertaker going like, "Ah!" in pain. But they like put in that baby, like oh, kind of like scream. <laughs> you remember that? No, I missed that. Actually. It was really weird. Like whoever did this opening package, it, it, they were not on their A game. They must have hired an intern to put it together. What we have here, you know, chronicling the two world title matches is, in my opinion, it reflects uh, one. One is done well, the SmackDown side, and one is not. The raw side. Yeah. The raw side's so bad. I mean, I just remember it being like really like awkward and weird as a kid. Because like I said, I was live for for one of those Katie Vick segments. That was my first raw and it stuck with me as being very uncomfortable. And that's kind of just how the whole thing was. But then over here on SmackDown, it was just like, it felt like, oh, blood feud. This is real. It's intense, you know? 
In a bit of a size and atmosphere downgrade, we are live in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Alltel Arena. Do you, do you remember Alltel? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, so uh, that, that they were a phone service uh, apparently bought out by Verizon in 2007. Uh, we're sponsored by Subway tonight. Oh. We have 9,074 in attendance, uh, which is a good number, but you're missing almost 7,000 more than the previous month's Unforgiven. Yeah, and WWE lied about it. They said it was 10,000 people. Yeah, and the, the, the stage wasn't as pretty as it usually is, too. I don't know. I kind of liked it more than Unforgiven's, to be honest. To be honest. I, I, I really can't remember too much Unforgiven's. It just, it, just will... lo- it just looked pretty basic. It just looked like, you know, steel and a big screen. This is a B-rated pay-per-view, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I think in my brain, I think it's more because, like, I associate No Mercy with the video game. And so I'm like, oh, No Mercy rules. <laughs> right, right. And so uh, basically every reversal tonight is just sticking out your chest. You know, that's, that's <laughs> what everyone's going to do. Everybody runs into each other, then just kind of looks each other up really quick. <laughs> like, I just remember during a cage match, whenever Brock got busted open, he just slapped his hand against his face uh, and then looked at it and then just fell face forward to ground. <laughs> right. And, you know, everyone goes and shops at the SmackDown Mall. The end. There's all the No Mercy jokes of the night. There you go. There you go. Done. We got a quota in. So, our first match. Booker T and Goldust versus Chris Jericho and Christian for the World Tag Team Championship. The world. Christian is at last on his own again. What happened, girl? Well, since Unforgiven, the Un-Americans were losing all the time, and that caused dissension amongst them. Christian was hot at Lance Storm and vice versa. And it all really culminated when all four of them were bickering backstage, and, oh, you're going to love this, Kyle. Mm. In the midst of it, Test uh, lays in the killer burn of a line, You sound like little American babies. What's this worse to say again? <laughs> oh my gosh, why is he so awful? Because anyway. he's the best. So Lance Storm has a match with a uh, freshly defected Randy Orton, still in his rookie season, uh, and a losing effort with uh, Christian. Christian gets on the mic. He uh, he steals JR's hat and just runs down um, Houston, just saying, uh, you know, you're stupid rednecks, all that sort of thing. <laughs> And uh, he's like, uh, move aside. I'm going to show you how it's done, Lance Storm. And, uh, of course, he also loses to Randy Orton, which um, uh, really brings in a, a brawl between the two. And, uh, yeah, the OG Un-Americans, as we know them, uh, are gone. Uh, I believe uh, Lance Storm and William Regal will still team up, but uh, Test and Christian, they're done. Uh, the next week on Raw, Chris Jericho suggests to Christian that, uh, that he and him... Uh, they team up and he obliges yeah i mean it's what it is and americans were like surprisingly better than uh kind of the concept would, would kind of make you believe i mean the whole like boo america uh cheap heat 9-11 happened uh kind of kind of lame but i mean they just did it well i mean their matches are solid stuff so they'll be missed i mean you know wwe's always been sensitive to uh 
to real life circumstances. <laughs> and again, I hate to date this podcast, but you know, you just recently had Dean Ambrose go out there and uh, and be like, uh, "Roman's got an answer to the man upstairs now." Roman's got an answer to the cancer. That's what he said. <laughs> So the story here is Chris Jericho does not like being called a sucker. Booker T and Y2J have had some backstage brushes where Booker would call him a sucker and uh, and and Jericho would hard R say, "I am not a sucker." I am not a sucker. Reminds me of a mug I saw where it says, "Girl, drink some coffee, put on some gangster rap and slay it." Oh, that's that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was really gosh. lame. Hashtag white people, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I love gangster rap, homies. (laughs) Two weeks prior to this, Jericho attacked him after a cage match, which left Booker T busted wide open, which was honestly weird to see. There's been a lot of blood, and you you see this in the pay-per-view. Before the tag title match, Booker attacked Jericho and Christian uh, as a receipt. Uh, during their entrance, and uh, in a cheating effort, Jericho and Christian win the tag titles off of Kane and Hurricane. Eric Bischoff sets up a match between Booker T and Goldust against the new tag team champions uh, for the title, stating, If Stephanie is going to have her titles defended on the show, you better believe we are too. So, Jerry Lawler, he puts uh, Y2J and Christian uh, beating Kane and Hurricane over as a huge upset, which I kind of appreciated. Um, don't really see it past uh, Kane, though, because, you know, it's Hurricane. Candy Kane? <laughs> uh, the Christmas Monster, uh, etc. <laughs> Let's just start a podcast on all the characters of Kane. You know, screw, screw this. <laughs> um. But anyway, uh, to start, we have Jericho and Goldust, and uh, Jericho demands that Booker T gets in and face him. So as soon as Goldust tags in Booker T, uh, Jericho immediately hightails it and tags out. I appreciated that. Oh, can I can I say one thing? Because it's like yes. it doesn't relate to the match, kind of pre-match. Um, Christian, I really don't like his theme. What? I I hate the whole opening, like the Christian. I think it just sounds so lame. Like just having him just come out to that, it doesn't sound cool. Oh my gosh! Like his actual musical part is fine, but that opening little like Christian, like it just it's it's really lame. I'm sorry, I've never liked it. You got heat with me, brother. I love that song. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Levi. But, yeah, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> No, let me tell you why your opinion is wrong, brother. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I, I see where you're coming from, though, because when I was a kid, I, I hated it. I, I thought it was a terrible song. But that being said, uh, man, I, I just think it puts over so well who he is as a character. And especially it's like fitting now because he's uh, he's defected from the Un-Americans. So at last, you know, he is on his own. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of lost on the, like people today. Because I think most people look back on like Christian's career, they think, "Oh, well, of course, Edge and Christian." And so, it, like, I think people are gonna when they hear like, "You're on your own." Oh, you're not with Edge, so you're just nobody now. While well, he's doing mm-hmm. fun, successful things, that's the vibe it always gave me in the past. No, I think I think you're right when you say that too. Um... So I feel like it's not only did I not like it before, I feel like it's aged very poorly. <laughs> 
Yeah. Haha, ha. I, I win, you lose. No, I mean, I still like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever, that's... loser. You, it's coming from the loser who's like, oh, I like Undertaker's role and theme. Oh, for Durst like is cool. Roman? It's so lame. Like, it's, oh, no. I, I like, you like, way better. I think it fits his character way more. You know, you know, Kyle, I, you know, I think we agree that we both like, you done it now. But honestly, uh, I do have to tell you, you are in the minority. Most people don't like that song. <laughs> Suck. No, I, I I agree. It's like I well, like. I think songs. we can both also double agree that uh, Big Show's theme, uh, the first one, the <laughs> is way better than the current version. The one that tries to sound cool. Yeah. Well, it's the Big Show. <laughs> it's like, come on, you're you're singing about the Big Show. Come on, dude. I'm really upset. He has not appeared in the pay per view since July. I know. I hope that changes. <laughs> I hope he makes another appearance. <laughs> anyway, back to the match. Um, so, yeah, Jericho, he hightails it out. And so, to start, we have Christian and Booker T. Booker T lays in some snug punches as well as a heel kick. Booker tags out and Goldust comes in. My wife popped for Goldust. He was doing some crazy moves. Yeah, look, he does this... Ladies love Goldust. Uh, Crystal absolutely loves Goldust. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Stephanie freaking loves Gold Dust. Something about him. I think it's just he just he comes off so goofy, and then he's just good in the ring. So you're like, oh wait, I was wrong, and so you just kind of root for him. At least <laughs> that's, that's how I figure. I don't know. I'll just wait till he uh, gets electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a one interesting dude. So uh, yeah, he does this strange move where he positions himself like awkwardly and kicks his opponent in the face. That was, I that that was, was... cool. Yeah. I just think <clears throat> that. I thought that was interesting. Excuse me. He's no. always, Goldust always surprises me. Like, I guess because later in his career, he he's not as like inventive. I mean, he's still great in his later career, but like during this time, it's, it's like he always surprises me every time he gets in the ring watching these pay per views. You know. Yeah, and the more he goes, it's like he doesn't age. Oh he no, just, he, he can just go. Mm-hmm. Christian tags out. And uh, Goldust catches Jericho with a thrust chop to the neck, and then a gold butt, as coined by uh, one, the King Lawler. Which Stephanie also popped for. <laughs> <laughs> After being knocked out of the ring, Booker T throws back in Chris Jericho, which really makes the referee want to enforce the rules, if you know what I mean. <laughs> as Goldust works over Jericho in the corner for a 10-punch spot, Christian does a top rope guillotine to Goldust, followed by a missile drop kick by Jericho to gain an advantage for the team. Also, side story, I hate how people pronounce it guillotine. Yeah, it's guillotine. Like, I have, I hardly ever heard anybody say guillotine. I, I remember saying that and getting heat with my sisters back in the day. Like, oh, he, he did the guillotine. And they're like, you, you stupid idiot. Even though I was like third grade. It's guillotine. And now I hear people, there There was a friend I had grown up who swore up and down. It was pronounced Goliathy, and I'm just like, I know how it's pronounced. It's like a French, it's, it's, it's French. It's one of those France words, goofy. But he also claimed that the saying was not 24-7. It was 7-11, seven hours a day, 11 days a week, apparently. Uh, that guy is like beyond stupid then, yeah. All, yeah. Credibility <laughs> gone after saying that. Oh man, I forgot about that until I said it. <laughs> oh, so anyway, Goldust hits a great comeback clothesline on Jericho in an effort to gain momentum. 
As he draws near to Booker T, Christian just runs in and knocks Booker T off the canvas. Popped hard for that one. Jericho tags out and Goldust once again looks to mount a comeback, this time against Christian. Christian then makes the tag, so Jericho quickly comes in to try and stop Goldust. But he counters with a neckbreaker and makes the hot tag to Booker T. And oh my gosh, Booker T is an amazing baby face. Oh yeah, man, people are going nuts. Like People just wanted to see more Booker T. Like There's a point when people were just chanting because like, he was not the, the active guy. Active guy. <laughs> I'm stupid. I'll be your active guy. Oh. No, but... <laughs> but yeah, man. Just T, like... Gosh, like, like, consistently, all these shows we have reviewed so far, it's like, you can just tell how hot Booker T is with the crowd. It's like, ugh, I wish he would just get... Just pushed more and more. I love Booker T. He deserves that world title, man. Booker T. Booker T, 2003. You're my president. Let's go. <laughs> He comes in, hits a heel kick, a double-armed clothesline, and a super kick to Christian. He misses a scissors kick to Jericho, but man, oh man, he hits a freaking rough-looking spine buster on Y2J. Like, it looked like it could have gone wrong <laughs> real quick. Oh yeah, I remember that. That looked like hard. Like, I was like, ew, my spine. Just it, looking it at that. It's busted. That, that's a spine buster. <laughs> it's a concussion giver. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, Booker, Booker T hits Jericho with a kick to the chest, which backs him into the ropes. Booker then attempts a heel kick, but Christian on the outside moves Chris Jericho and sends Booker into the ropes. Goldust makes a blind tag and hits a double bulldog on the two Chris's. But I guess I can't call them the two Chris's because it's Christian. Unless his first name is Chris and then last name is Shun. Which he was he was shunned from Edge. You know, no longer brothers. Anyway. <laughs> Goldust sets up Christian for the Shattered Dreams, which pops the crowd huge. Jericho is trying to avert the ref's attention, but to no avail, Goldust connects. Right to the berries. And what's more, Jericho then comes in and gets hit with a drop toe hold onto the crotch of Christian. What do you think about the Shattered Dreams? Uh, it looks painful every time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, one of my favorite moves in wrestling ever. It, it's great, honestly. It's fantastic. It, it's, no, it's there's, just... there's no move like it. <laughs> I, I think that's the best way we, we can put that one. It's like, oh yeah, look, you got a low blow. It's like low blow times ten. It's like, uh, it's a gonad destroyer, you know? <laughs> Goldust gets caught in the walls of Jericho, and Booker breaks it up, uh, and then hits a scissors kick. Pinball, pinball, come <laughs> <Dadgum>, autocorrect. <laughs> pinfall by Goldust, broken up by Christian. Booker T hits a baseball slide to Christian, and then connects a missile drop kick to Y2J. And those missile drop kicks, him and Chris Jericho do a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for the spin of Rooney. Christian looks to take the easy way out and looks to hit Booker with the title belt, but Booker tosses him out. Here's the fun part of the match, as uh, many people might uh, remember this for. Christian's going to bring that tag title belt to the ring. 
Jericho trying to look like a, maybe a, a lion salt, but the rope broke on him. That's all right. That rope may have taken out Chris Jericho goes for a springboard maneuver, which infamously the rope breaks mid-match. And uh, you ask any wrestler, they'll tell you when a when a rope breaks, it it just kills kills the vibe of the match. But luckily, it was so deep in the match that uh, it really didn't affect its quality as a whole, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah, like it it didn't like they just went with the flow. I mean, it just it seemed almost like it was supposed to happen. Honestly, like I had to kind of question it. Then I'm like, no, 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 of course not. Because I, I vaguely remember that spot, but it, I, I just didn't realize it was this pay-per-view and it happens. And when it did, it was just so like, oh, you know, it, it was yeah. it was really cool and sudden. And they, they, they adapted well. Like, I don't think it hurt the flow of the match at all. If anything, it kind of added to it. It was like, oh, it's getting so intense. They're destroying the ring. There was definitely like... A bit where everyone's like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> so they're just kind of scrambling, trying to put something together real quick. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I think they recovered well. And uh, so so to end the match here, um, Goldust attempts a bulldog into a pinfall. And, and the ref, like I said, so confused, he just reluctantly comes over and starts counting. Christian puts Jericho's foot on the bottom rope to save his partner. The ref gets distracted by Booker and Christian on the outside, which allows Jericho to hit a bulldog on the title belt to gold dust. Jericho hits a top rope moonsault, which I thought was freaking awesome. And in 8 minutes, 46 seconds, Chris and Christian retain the world tag team titles. So how, sa- how, how sad were you that they didn't win? I was pretty sad because, man, just what baby faces they are. And that's what a, that's what a, that's what a face should do. They should make you want to feel for them, and you should want to cheer for the face. Uh, it, it was really fun. Um, I didn't like it as much as their their previous ones, like the ones against like the Un-Americans and such. But I mean, it was solid. I mean, Booker T and Goldust really can't do any wrong together. They're both absolutely fantastic. You know, absolutely. But yeah, I, so I, 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 definitely... I, I, I I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, same here. Took the words right out of my mouth, sucker. I mean, it was, it was a good. It was a solid opener. You know. I mean, it's, it's yeah, a, and, I mean, solid who better to open up the show than someone like Booker T? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, really the glad they. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really glad they followed it up with an amazing match. Thumbs up on both ends. We're off to a good start. Backstage to Funaki, SmackDown's number one announcer. I forgot about Funaki. I love Funaki. I'm glad he's still, I'm glad that he's doing commentary now. And I was I was honestly going to run you briefly through the feud here with one Al Wilson. No, I'm but I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware. This, seg- this segment <laughs> caught caught you up to speed. Take a look. It was a sneak peek for Al. How did this peak make you feel? Well, um, uh, uh. Then, prior to the laundry contest, Danmari gave you another peak. Take a look. Can you do me a favor and give me your honest opinion on something? Sure. 
Have you ever seen Twin Peaks before? To be honest, I've never been involved before. Yeah. Now, how did this peak make you feel? Well, um, uh, uh, after lingerie contest, Damari gave you the key to her hotel room. New Divas Undressed magazine? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, there's a... There's Yes. Well, it's good. You are comment. Uh, I, 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 um... And then, last week, after mixed tag team match with Tori and Damari, Now, Fnaki has big question. Why were you wearing your clothes in the shower? I'm going to say this once only. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It seems that Mr. Al Wilson does not understand English. From normalcy, this is Funaki, SmackDown, number one announcer report. Yeah, it, it's like it was so redundant. It was just like, it's like, oh, Mr. Wilson, how did you feel when Dot Marie showed you her big titties? <laughs> And then he just kept showing all the clips every single time. It's like almost like that segment was making fun of the feud. Because uh, just to let you, just key, key your listeners in, it was basically just Funaki saying, hey, what about when Don Marie showed you her body? Here's the clip. And then showed the clip from SmackDown. And then he would basically say the same thing again. It would show the clip. And then it showed like the clip were like, oh, what about when you were in the shower with her? And it showed where Tori caught his her dad and... Dom Marie in the shower together, and Dom Marie, for all intents and purposes, looked completely naked, but her dad was like fully clothed. <laughs> and then he, 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 uh, he, it was, it was a big, weird, creepy vibe. So the whole thing was like mildly uncomfortable. And then I'm very happy that Funaki, like the whole point of this, I guess, was to point out the absurdity of the angle and just to ask, like, why were you wearing your clothes in the shower? <laughs> And then he, he, her dad followed it up with a, a very lame, even by that standards, old, you know, like, oh, I had no sexual relations with that woman, Bill Clinton joke, so. All because they're in Arkansas. Yeah, that was, that was really like, uh. <laughs> but I love Funaki, so, so that's, that's the one good takeaway. I know, he, he ends it with, uh, with a very funny line, in my opinion. He goes, it seems out of Western does not understand English. Because <laughs> oh, he doesn't answer the question, honestly. So. <laughs> I swear. You know, I, I wanted to bring this up later whenever we get to Jerry, but I was thinking, like, WWE, 
they're whenever they have a, an Asian wrestler, it's like their gimmick just has to be I am Asian, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like even to today, like uh, uh, oh, don't break up the current product. This isn't this isn't criticism. This is just pointing out uh, how it is. Um, like thinking about uh freaking like uh, Asuka and Shinsuke Nakamura, like in NXT, they're just treated as any other wrestler. They just happen to be from Japan. But then they get over to the main roster and they take them seriously for like a hot minute. But then they end up just, when they don't know what to do with them, falling back on, oh, no speak English, you know? And I know mm-hmm. that that was supposed to make fun of it, but still, especially with uh, Asuka, where they're like, I don't understand what you're saying entirely. Isn't it silly? I'm from another country. <laughs> it's like, uh, come on, WWE. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give this match sixty seconds to to run down. Yeah, yeah. I hated it, and of course, sound the alarm. This is a three minute warning skit match of the night. <laughs> this match was rated a negative half star by Dave Meltzer. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was not very good. Uh, the only thing I, so, I, I, I'd i say, ahead. like, you know, they both come out. It's like a side note. It doesn't really matter, but uh, their their ring attire was really boring looking. You notice that? It was just like uh, like a solid color. Like, there's nothing to it. It's not like you have to have, like, weird logos everywhere, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it seemed kind of boring. I was fine with it. I thought Tori Wilson looked a little more modest than usual, which I appreciated. Yeah, they I mean, they, I was saying, like, they both look modest. It's not like, you know, I'm not saying, like, oh, I wish there were some tennis I could have. No, I understand. It was very bland. Top shorts, solid color. It's kind of boring. I don't know. It's a, it's a dumb side note, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and dive, dive deep into this, this amazing match, Levi. All right, all right. Uh, time me 60 seconds that's all it gets okay mm-hmm. Dom Marie versus Tori Wilson okay couple of clotheslines slingshot to Tori Wilson Dawn isn't that bad give her credit she's not that bad no works Tori with some kicks the literal finish of this match are you ready for this mm-hmm. swinging neck breaker <laughs> yeah one more time swinging neck breaker one two three the end and after the match, she yells, "Stay away from my dad!" Yeah, uh, I think that was about. I think that was a little over twenty seconds. He did pretty good. Pretty good. Wonderful. Uh, um, the only takeaways I really have, uh, there was a "We Want Puppies" chant, of course. It's two thousand two. Um, <laughs> the only like real thing is like they. I'll say at like at its best, they were both surprisingly, you know, pretty competent in the ring. Like it wasn't garbage i've seen much worse divas matches than this but it's definitely wasn't anything that felt pay-per-view worthy by a long shot um no they had a they had a spot that you did not mention where like they're kind of like i guess they're in like gutter like domery might have tori wilson some kind of hold or something and so the ref comes try to pull her off and they start rolling around together and then the ref gets off of them and starts smiling like hey, ooh, hey. That was that was really creepy. And oh no no no! That's uh, as Joey Styles would say, "Get fight, Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, the ending was like totally anticlimactic and just lame. It, it was completely forgettable. End. Moving on. <laughs> That's all it deserves. So so, so what, what would you rate this match? 
I I wouldn't go negative stars like old, old Davy Boy. I would just put uh, zero zero stars. <laughs> we've we've uh, we've ditched the thumb scale and we're just saying zero. <laughs> no, I, I give it a definite thumbs down. Then yeah. <laughs> No, I want to give it a zero. <laughs> yeah, just give it a zero. It doesn't get a thumb. Like I'd have a, I have a balled up fist shaking, in disappointment. <laughs> it's kind of when you're making fun of someone in school, be like, man, you didn't get an F, you got a Z. This match gets a Z. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. N- next, <laughs> we have a we have a backstage segment. Ooh. no, I don't know why I'm making fun of you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm better at talking about backstage segments than I am matches. I'm not. I'm not as, well, go for it. I'm not as well versed in moves and stuff as you. Like you're go like you're I'm like a... oh you know uh, or, or you know he goes for a sweet neckbreaker then to a, a lariat and a, a reverse choke. I'm like I, I I watched a match. I don't know all the moves. I didn't pay that much attention to create a character, Levi. He hits a, a neckbreaker into a into a ding dong. By God, he's got the ding dong. He's got the ding dong slam. <laughs> I want JR to say that. If if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would make him I would I would pay him a large amount to say, Back off the ding dong. <laughs> it's a backstage segment, Jonathan Coachman, interviewing old Rob Van Dam. Um talking about uh they talking about their upcoming his upcoming match with Ric Flair. Uh was there wasn't there some kind of story thing to this? I can't remember, I vaguely remember. What with RVD and Ric Flair? Yeah, yeah. There's some kind of like interference thing. At the last pay per view, you know, RVD he stuck up for Ric Flair because Triple H was like, "You're old." Yeah. And then Rick ended up turning on him, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks for catching me up to speed. Ruthless aggression. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is more or less just RVD. Like he's like, "Oh, what do you think about Ric Flair?" And he's like, "Well, Ric Flair's, you know, he's a." Limousine riding, jet flying, uh, kiss stealing, wheel of dealing, uh, guy, wingity ding dong, but uh, I'm not like that. And then he he starts like doing his own version. He's like, oh, I'm a I'm a coach flying or whatever, you know, <laughs> going and saying like Rob Van Dam things, but riffing on Ric Flair's shtick. Like he's a chair smashing, woo, frog splashing, wrist taking. Yinning and yinging, Van Daminating, dude named Rob Van Dam. Oh man, uh, yeah, it was really awkward. I mean, I love Rob Van Dam. He's super over at this point, and uh, he's just fun to watch. But his mic work is just eh. And then he cannot woo to save his life. It's like whoa, <laughs> like it's bad. And I just, wait, what's that? It's like yeah, I'm, I'm, and it's like oh, it's funny, Kyle. You're doing, sick. but no, his woos are just like. Woo! Like it's bad. <laughs> like it's terrible. <laughs> oh my god, that, that it's honestly a good impression. And was don't it, don't uh, be deceived. Okay, and is it just me, or did they do a, a segment like this before? I swear I've seen this before. Um, honestly, I I don't think I I've seen uh this particular thing or anything like this. Yeah. Yeah. I swear I did. Maybe I accidentally. I think there's a point when I started watching a pay per view by accident. Like I might have gone ahead. I think maybe I started watching the beginning of this at one point and got to that part. And then I was talking. I think I was talking to you about it. This is ages ago. And you're like, oh no, we're on this pay per view. And I was like, oh, I'm stupid. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think you told me, like, oh, yeah, they're going to do this match at the next pay-per-view. And I was like, cool. And then they were talking about, like, oh, the guy in the match Levi talked about doing a different match. And I'm like, wait wait a minute. <laughs> I missed something. <laughs> well, honestly, uh, I I think that uh, uh, drugs are bad. No, I'm just playing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. My, my thoughts were... It's like, oh, yeah, it's just another whatever dude promo from RVD. Yeah. But he showed some some personality, so I will give him points for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. He just always comes off as just awkward to me. That's fair. Like, what he's saying is, like, it's, I don't know, almost like Ric Flair and him bump to each other in the hallway, and Ric Flair's like, hey, Rob Van Dam, that's a stupid haircut, and walked off, and then, like, Rob was, like, went home steaming and thinking of, like, oh, man, if I could talk back, I would have said this. And he, so he spent all night, like, uh, writing down how he would have replied to him, and then he just went and said it the next day. You sounded like adult Carl Weezer there. I'm not going to lie. That's how, how Ric Flair sounds. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I was going to do Ric Flair impression, but I, I didn't come Hey, RVD, Miss I, I, McMahon. I, know. I can't do it as good as Chucky Cannon. We need to get Yo. him on just to do an entire show as Ric Flair. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing, or or at least just like a bit. I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to prod him now, so that way, four months down the way, I can I finally get him. Anyway, uh, Coach tries to close out, but catches Brock and Paul Heyman and Tracy. Yeah, actually, I really like the the candid transition. Really. Yeah, I thought it was cool how it was like, oh, it's just like a weird kind of RVD back segment. And then he's like, well, that's about, hey, wait, 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 you know, and it turns and oh, there's Brock. I'm like, oh, it, it felt it felt unpredictable, you know. OK, it, it was it was cool. Even though that one lady, what's her name? Tracy. Is she, is she like an actual is an actual wrestler or she just appeared for this role? When I saw her on SmackDown, uh, you know, two weeks prior to this show. I said, who the heck is that? <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, so the story on her is, um, her name is Tracy. She's a mysterious woman. They came they came out there on SmackDown. Uh, she refers to Undertaker as Mark. And, uh, you know, kind of blurring the lines there. She, she claims that uh, Undertaker slept with her and uh, she didn't know that he had a pregnant wife. Mm-hmm. She never cared about his persona and says she never watched quote-unquote wrestling uh she knows now that uh why he never wanted their relationship public uh she apologizes to sarah says uh that he lied to her just like he lied to uh her (laughs) he says listen lady i have no idea who you are and uh, she leaves uh taker later admits a week later that he knew tracy but hasn't seen her in seven years so, um, yeah, uh, she claims they slept together 10 days prior, and uh, Stephanie bans her from SmackDown because she's a troublemaker. Oh. The week leading up to this, uh, uh, so you won't see her after this, and, you know, you can find out more why. Uh, so she tells Coach that uh, her accusations are not accusations. It's the truth. He's a liar and a cheat. She's here tonight to see that scumbag get what he deserves inside hell in a cell. And I thought it was strange for her to go in one breath say she doesn't know about wrestling and then using hell in a cell. I don't know. But I I LOL'd hard 
at the immediate cut to Jim Ross saying, that girl right there is a Jezebel, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Golly dog. Yeah, <laughs> Made me laugh. Of, of this whole feud thing, um, the most I've seen of it, just pretty much, you know, I just watch these pay-per-views, so I rely on, like, the vignettes and all that stuff to fill me in on a lot of time. Um, I can definitely say of all the stuff I've seen of this feud, she is definitely the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> like she is completely unbelievable which i guess kind of plays into it later on because whatever but it's just yeah whatever <laughs> that's just that. so random it, it, and unnecessary yeah but i, mean, I digress they, they honestly it would have been better if because you know the whole thing where it was like oh brock he's got his wife in the corner ah you know mm-hmm. it would have been much better if they just focused on that aspect I I had no clue. Like I don't remember seeing that as a kid. Like I'm just like, who is this woman? I vaguely remember it. I remember watching uh, SmackDown around the time as a kid, and I just remember there's a part, there's a port. I don't know, did I say it like that? Where uh, <laughs> there's a part where um, I just remember a backstage segment with Undertaker on the phone, just like, oh come on, Sarah, Sarah, come on, come on, Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that, but I, I don't know. It's strange. I had no idea who she was. Anyways, yeah. Uh, did, did you find anything about who she was, like, personally? Is she actually a wrestler, or is she just some, like, lady they hired? I, I did not dig, uh, so I, I couldn't tell you. You didn't dig it, sucka? No, I, I did plenty of digging for this podcast, but I the digging stopped with Tracy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ginga. All right. I guess enough Tracy talk. She ain't facing an RVD, you know what I'm saying? What if she did? Oh, man. That would have been interesting, because it would have been her being destroyed, because she's not a wrestler. <laughs> she hits the Ginga driver on, on RVD and uh, defends her World Ginga Weight Championship, you know, that uh-huh. sort of thing. She just, I don't know. She gets she gets naked and shows her body her puppies. <laughs> So we got Ric Flair versus Rob Van Dam. And before we get started, I must say Ric Flair comes out with the coolest darn looking robe I've ever seen. Nice robe. Ric Flair's king of robes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's weird though. Um, his theme he's using, it's like kind of like the uh, little older one. I'm so used to the, the one he's had for so long, like the woo theme. Yeah, I don't understand why he's not using that one. He didn't have it this time yet, did he? He did. He came back with it. Really? Mm-hmm. It could be a network thing, but I'm, I don't think that's the case. No, because I remember seeing, like, people... I actually saw on, on Reddit where somebody had posted, like, a woo-off. I think it was him. It wasn't him and RVD going back and forth, going like, woo, woo. Like, Jay Lethal. No, this was, this was, like, early 2000s. This is... Um, was it in TNA? No, it was not. It was in oh. WWE. Hmm. Uh... And people are saying, like, they think, like, that is where they got the clip of him going woo, you know? Oh, okay. Because you can distinctly hear it. Like, whenever you hear it, you're like, I, I recognize that woo, you know? 
But anyways, uh, so yeah, whatever. So RVD storms the ring after Ric Flair, and uh, one thing I particularly like about it is how Rick thinks that uh, he, he didn't follow him outside the ring. And as soon as he gets turned around, he's like, oh my gosh, he like legit gets startled. Bah! <laughs> He has to Punches. catch his breath. <laughs> I know. Punches and chops are thrown by both men. RVD throws Flair into the post and follows up with a kick that sends him in the crowd. RVD fires on all cylinders with a barricade spin kick. Yeah, that, that looked kind of like, usually when that stuff happens, like the other guy kind of falls through with it, but that was pretty hard on Rick. He was like, bam, and then he just kind of slumped over. I'd imagine that kind of hurt. The match officially starts as RVD sends Ric Flair in the ring. RVD does a handspring rolling thunder, and uh, Ric Flair begs him to stop but gets sent into the corner. Flair pokes him in the eye and starts working him over with chops. RVD sends him in the corner and he does the whole flop thingy. You know, you know like, yeah, the typical, typical Ric Flair flop, yes. What do you call that? I mean, it's more than a flop. It's getting sent into the, the, the corner turnbuckles and just, like, flipping all over I it. I guess his, like, thing is, you know, it's just to imply that he's, like, taking a beating. Like, the just the sheer momentum is causing him to kind of stumble forward and just kind of get, like, hurled by momentum. But it's whatever. I mean, it's Ric Flair. Yeah. Kinda, you kind of don't think about it. You just accept it, you know? Yeah, Shawn Michaels does that too, but it's like, when you're the only people doing it, it doesn't seem like a, a normal thing. It just seems like something unique to you, and doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'd say theirs makes more sense than, than something like Dean Ambrose's little, like, you know, thing he does against the, the, the ropes, where he kind of just like, oh, you're, you're Irish whipping me, I flip and then I don't, bye. RVD does a mule kick to his face. And uh, Rick begs off again, but uh, gets the ref a little tied up so he can get a low blow on RVD. Flair starts working over the leg, and uh, he starts uh, putting us some punches in the corner, and uh, his saggy old man skin dangles with each punch. Oh, man. I feel bad. It's like, I, I don't want to rip into Rick Flair, because the guy's a bona fide legend, but, like, what what happened? I mean, I know, like, you know, age, it happens. You know, I'm not making fun of him for being old or anything, but he like you know, he's in his, in his 50s. Uh, he looks, you know, fair, fairly good. Um, you know, he's not he's not pumping iron as hard, I'm guessing, because he's looking a little deflated. But over the next six years, like between now and his retirement, like what happened? It's like he just completely deflates. <laughs> I thought I'm not even trying to be like mean to the guy. It's like I, I know. I remember watching, uh, you know, his retirement match with Shawn Michaels uh, back when it was uh, Aaron live, and me and John couldn't help but notice, like when he would get smacked you know flat on his back on the mat like it looked like his skin was like laying flat you know what i'm saying yes, yes. like it was molding to it i think it's just all those years of tanning and living hard and drinking uh, yeah i mean that's got to be explanation because the, guy, the guy's younger than hulk hogan and i remember at one point uh just kind of like seeing how hulk hogan looked and thinking that he looked like better than rick flair you know yeah and i think hulk cared more about his body as well is yeah. also a thing so we get some more chops lots of lots of chops in this match and uh we we get a chop and punch exchange and flair wins with a kick to the leg you're just really working over that leg rick you know kind of getting his later career now but he's he still comes off as like uh formidable you know mm-hmm. like he can still give you a beating i know i thought he moved uh pretty well in this match 
Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, considering his age and, and dangling skin and all that. Flair <laughs> <laughs> uh, does a running chop block to the leg of RVD. And for whatever reason, Jerry Lawler's going on and on and uh, asks JR if pregnant women are attractive. And that, that, was, that was weird. <laughs> JR sounds legitimately ticked off. He's like, he's like, what does that have to do with that thing? Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> just gets so worked up. I don't. It feels like one of those moments where I don't know. It's like it feels like the announced team is not entirely invested in what's going on in the ring. Either that, or they're being told, "Hey, talk about talk about other stuff." But it's just kind of distracting. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's stuff being fed to them because why? Why else will they talk about a SmackDown story? Yeah, because during the uh, during the Triple H and Kane match, I, I I swear, if I remember correctly, they did that a lot. Mm-hmm. They it, was, did. it was really distracting because if you're not invested then that's just going to make you not invested even more it's like we're at the pay-per-view we don't need to be sold anymore well, you got us it's like yeah we're well, cool well boobies are cool i'll see them later but please focus on the ring <laughs> gosh man just jerry lawler is just so off tonight man he just talks about anything else but jr to his credit like <laughs> doesn't really take much of it and you know, honestly, I don't know how much of these, you know, these uh, this banter is like, you know, worked or shoot. But I would I would believe that Jr. would be annoyed. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I believe it's hard that. to see. It's like you get I, I don't know. So there, there are times when uh, King it kind of blurs the line between you know as he's saying all these like things like oh look big old booby is my favorite or if it's something like he's getting fed to do it like mm-hmm. that's his character and then they just want jr to react but uh i don't know yeah it definitely feels like they're just trying to just egg on jr like until he has enough and he's like oh stop it this is gross <laughs> so figure four to rvd rvd gets the rope break and hits some shoulder thrusts to flare Backslide for a two count to Ric Flair. Figure four reversed to an inside cradle. Monkey flip reversed. Flair goes up top and gets tossed over. Going to the top never really benefited Ric Flair. Mm-mm. Rolling thunder for a near fall. Close two count. Spinning heel kick and a five star frog splash. RVD gets the win in seven minutes and 59 seconds. Mm. Did, you, did I gotta ask? Did you think that the uh, that the the crowd was into this match? Moderately, I would say. Yeah, like I feel like the crowd tonight was not that great overall. I mean, when it, uh, later on in the show they got invested, but man, it just seemed like they just weren't really having much of this pay per view. They they were saving their energy. <laughs> I, I guess so. Like I am, I'm not kidding. Like go back and watch this match, and I swear. Like, it's, you just notice that, I don't know, it could be, like, an issue with their mics or something, but it just sounds so quiet. And then you hear, like, what sounds like an air conditioner or something going on. Like, it's just, they're just picking up just noise in the arena. Was that just me, or? or? Um, I don't think it was that bad, but honestly, like, as far as this match goes, this is not even main event of Raw quality, so. yeah. I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, like like you know, seeing Ric Flair uh, at this point in his career, like go toe to toe with somebody like RVD, it's 
I think I can appreciate it for what it is, but if I were some guy like, oh, yeah, pay-per-view time, baby, I bought these tickets, time to have fun, I'd be a little like, you know, you know. Right. One thing I I will point out I noticed that I I totally miss about uh, WWE uh, during this time, and especially kind of more like from Attitude Era till about the end of the Ruthless Aggression, is a one of the byproducts of them cutting back on pyros is you don't get that nice, like smoky arena look anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see that so much in this match. Like, I just love that look. It just makes it look like, I don't know. It's like, it's like the olden days and it's just like a bunch of old guys, like smoking cigars, watching like a people, a couple people box or something. It gives off that kind of vibe. We get it. You vape. (laughs) (laughs) Leave out with them jokes. I'll be here all week. Cause I live here. In, yeah, in, in the internet. I live in the podcast. Please, I have to pay my rent. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, and that reminds me. You, you can uh, you can donate to the podcast right there on our Anchor page. You can give a donation of $1 to $10. You know, just give us money, please. Yeah, $1 uh, buys us both a can soda. $10 buys us a 24-pack and then a few bits of change left over to get a bag of Cheetos. That's right. We're, we're hungry and thirsty, so uh, hurry up. <laughs> so, uh, so as you said, uh, we got our boy, the Big Show. Big Show. You you want to run us through this? Yeah, it's this weird segment where uh, Big Show comes in. He's talking. To, wasn't he talking to Stephanie first? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of talking. Just, just typical, like I'm a giant. I'm a big boy. What's going on? Why am I not here? And they do this thing with Big Show where he's like, <laughs> he's big, he's tall and stuff. So they do these kind of low angle things with him. But it also shows how kind of like overweight he was. So it ends up making him look like really fat, you know? Uh-huh. And then, you know, I talked to Stephanie and then all of a sudden here comes uh, uh, freaking Eric Bischoff. I don't know why I couldn't remember his name for a second. Just be like, what are you doing? You're my talent. Get what? Get out of here, Stephanie. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and he starts like going off, be like, look at me, I'm a big old giant boy. Why am I not in pay per views? Just going off about how he how he was like a champion and how he hasn't been on the show in a while and he hasn't been in pay per view since July. And Bischoff's like, hey, don't get in my face. I am your boss. I owed you. I am your master. And then he. <laughs> And there's like this awkward pause where he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then Eric Bischoff has to reiterate himself. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Then he grabs him and slams him against all these conveniently placed trays of like these big carts full of food trays that are empty. <laughs> just happen to be there. Big just so they can make a, a big clangy sound. And then he starts <laughs> telling him like, I'm a giant and I'm going to kick your butt if you don't give me what I want. Man. And then he walks off. Um I guess it's supposed to set up him coming back to do something, but it's certainly not in this pay-per-view, so this all felt like a big waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing more to say. <laughs> the end. The end. Peace. But after this, uh, they did a, a, they were hyping up the um, the upcoming match between Triple H and Kane, where it was the was the it's a world heavyweight championship and against the Hanes intercontinental championship, kind of like a winner take all situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, they played this actually really nice intercontinental championship retrospective, just going through all of like just history of the WWE and like the winners and like the big important moments. And 
it wasn't like some rock and roll music like cool guy thing like it was like trying to push how important and how prestigious this title was and it was it's actually really nice it's kind of odd that they chose to play this like before a pointless jamie kennedy or jamie kennedy (laughs) (laughs) pointless jamie noble to jerry match that was weird but like well you saying that reminds me that uh john cena just turned heel on smackdown so oh yeah yeah I, i i remember seeing a little thing in one of the kind of recap packages about him attacking kurt angle yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, John Cena. Little boy John Cena. I forgot. <laughs> Little boy John Cena. There's a gimmick for you. So up next we have Tajiri versus Jamie Noble for the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, it's uh, Levi's friend Jamie Noble. Yeah, said hi in the gas station. He said hi back. He looked back, back. and he, he just mouthed, I want to be your best friend, Levi. And then he ran off in tears. <laughs> Jane J Security. Uh, this came from backstage segments with dissension from Jamie Noble and Nydia. Nydia and, Nydia and Rey Mysterio got into it in a heated exchange in espanol uh they were they were speaking spanish and uh nydia apparently was told something by ray mysterio that was not good it was bad it was bad wrong it was badong so so nydia can speak spanish apparently i had no idea i had no idea so uh uh nydia got Is 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 it treated like some kind of secret thing do they ever reveal what he said no they don't I bet that's like a really lame surprise if you actually speak Spanish. You're like, oh, well, I know what he said. <laughs> so, oh, rem- that reminds me. I- I'm going to bring that up later. Uh, something totally just flies under the radar that shouldn't have. But uh, Nydia got upset that Jamie didn't defend her. And they, for that reason, get put in a match together with Tajiri as the referee on SmackDown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the recap now. God, that's so stupid. <laughs> so... In, in that match, Nydia really took it to him. And, uh, you know, Jamie is obviously superior in the ring. He's the Cruiserweight champion, for crying out loud. And he has been for a, a while. And um, uh, when he takes it back to her, so he, like, you know, starts defending himself, he has to stop himself. He's like, oh, please, please cut it out. It's, just, it's so funny. It's actually a really good segment. So uh, he wins, and after the match, they just both gang up on Tajiri, and that's where we're at now. <laughs> So, start the match. Uh, Tajiri flies with an SIE moon salt over the top rope into a splash onto Noble. Uh, Tajiri pins for a quick uh, win, but only uh, only a near fall. Noble hits a knee to the back and works over Tajiri with stomps. And I have here, this match is really fast. Yeah, it really didn't take long. It was, It is what it was. It wasn't, like, terrible. But well, no, this match, match had, had good length. length. What, what I'm saying, saying is they were moving so fast. fast. Yeah, okay. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, they're both, I mean, 
they were both really agile. They're both technically like, you know, pretty good, pretty good. But it was like one after the other. Yeah. Tajiri has the best kicks ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, no he's... one's done it better than him. It's funny because like, it's like I know Tajiri is like as a human being, as a wrestler, it's a pretty big deal. Like, you know, pretty well respected, but I don't remember too much of him, to be honest. Yeah, he had, he had some notable moments, but I don't think anything just really stood out apart or as much as his time with Tori Wilson and William Regal. Tilt the World Backbreaker from Jamie Noble. Uh, Tajiri goes up for a roll-up, but gets met with an elbow. And, I, and, man, Jamie Noble is a heck of a wrestler. Oh, yeah. Jamie starts working over the kidneys with shoulder thrusts, and uh, he goes for a super... Back, super back suplex, or a big back suplex, whatever you call that move. Top rope superplex reversed. <laughs> but uh, Tajiri gets out. Tajiri attempts a moonsault, which is evaded. But Tajiri connects with a Dudley Dog type DDT. Uh, he starts getting in a flurry of kicks and uh, he gets a springboard elbow to Noble. But Jamie jumps up and it makes it look even cooler. Tajiri does a modified airplane spin into a slam. And uh, Jamie then gets caught in a tarantula. What do you think about that one? Uh, pretty neat. I always thought that was pretty cool to look at. Though I, I'd imagine it would be hard to pull off physically. Do you, think it's a, do you think it's a stupid move to do? Since it's you can't win with it, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those, like, show moves, you know? It's meant to excite the people watching, not really make too much sense, you know? Yeah. It's like the Canadian Destroyer, you know? It doesn't make sense. It's just kind of cool to watch, you know? I don't know. I think you can make the Canadian Destroyer make sense. No, come on. Don't think too much about it. (laughs) It's like, Canadian Destroyer, it's like, here's what you need to do. Just don't jump. Then you won't get hurt, you know? (laughs) Um, fair enough. I guess I just make it make sense in kayfabe. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm smart wrestle boy. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm into the biz, you know. I mean, I, I officially, but, you know, I know a guy. Tajiri goes for a buzzsaw kick, but misses. He gets in a kick, but Nydia distracts the referee with the kiss. That's all women are good for. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I mean, that's what they put across. Flying, yeah. Honestly, like that's just what I remember from the match. It's just, just Nidia, <laughs> just people. I uh, just, you know, want Kirk kissing the ref, and then the end, which we'll get to. <laughs> Jamie gets a tiger bomb in, but Tajiri kicks out of the finish. Holy crap! What an amazing athlete. Tajiri goes for a victory roll, but Nidia holds on to Jamie Noble's leg to maintain his balance. He stills one to retain the title. And uh, after the match, Tajiri, uh, he makes out with Nidia, and uh, she likes it. And Jamie's all like, watch out, a real man does it, Tajiri. And, uh, receives, <laughs> and, and receives, receives a bus saw kick, kick for his, his troubles. troubles. Good match. Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was uh, just kind of so short that it was one of those things where if you aren't paying attention, you kind of miss it. So is it it didn't like stick with me, but it's one of those at the time was fun. <laughs> but honestly, all I can really seem to completely remember from it is just the whole weird like Tajiri kissing uh, Nidia. 
kind of out of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> that was kind of creepy. And her kissing the ref. It's like, this is the kiss match. <laughs> <laughs> so thumbs up, thumbs down, in between. What do you say? Uh, kind of in between, you know. Okay. I don't know. It, it didn't excite me. Uh, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, it wasn't like the most memorable thing in the world, but it was you know it was, it was fun when I watched it. I give it a thumbs up. I liked it. I liked it. What a Levi! Screw you! <clears throat> Go backstage to Chris Benoit trying to uh, find Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, this kind of confused me because, uh, like I said, most of my context, if it's something I feel like I really need to know, I look into it. But I I rely on like just you know the little little in in pay per view vignettes to kind of catch me up to speed. And they've done a good job at this point, but they really didn't explain this until later. So I had no idea what was going on for this backstage thing. Right. Well, I, was, I mean, I was, I was like, wait, I thought Eddie and Chris Benoit were friends. What what's up with this? You know. Well, I'll fill you in. Uh, on SmackDown, uh, this the same sort of plan. Uh, is being devised from Eddie himself. Eddie Guerrero tried to stir the pot as uh, Angle and Benoit continue their story as, like, you know, the odd couple uh, tag team. Eddie says there's a rumor going around that uh, Kurt is looking to take some time off to go back to the Olympics. And he, he questions what he would even do and asks, uh, it may be figure skating because that's effeminate. <laughs> oh, but uh, but but Kurt wonders what they're talking about. You know, what, what are you guys talking about? You make a fool of me about ball head. <laughs> it threatens. It threatens Benoit if you didn't tell him, and so uh, they're just you know they, there's strife between them. So so later, Chavo lured Benoit into a dark room where Eddie uh he attacks him and uh, comes out with a chair and he's like, yeah, I took care of him. So guess they're not friends anymore. So that being said, to say. Now you hear Chavo screaming for help, and Eddie is all like, "Eddie!" in Spanish asks Benoit if he thinks he's a pendejo, which is a, a naughty word in Spanish. Uh, it means poo poo face. No, I'm just kidding. It means something to do with wieners. So, so going back to what we were talking about, Nidia, it's like, yeah, I guess they could just say whatever, you know, say something mean in Spanish, you know, something like that. And I, I was I was a little shocked because it's like I know what that word means. <laughs> he says, "You think I'm stupid, Holmes?" Essay. You think I think that's Chavo? You think I want to go in there and be like, "Oh, Chavo, let me help you on your boy." Yeah, Angle the Metal Boy was gonna whack me with that chair. Don't you think I'm smarter? That's Chavo's voice. That's a little girl's voice. And uh, <laughs> Angle comes out and throws out Chavo, and the segment ends with uh, Eddie going after Angle. And he apologized to Chavo goes, I'm sorry, I thought you were a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Candy for Olympic Carol? Nothing for you. It's true. It's true. Trick or treat, brother. Take a hike. Trick or treat, if you smell. Beat it, jabroni. Halloween. Dead man walk. Yeah, you dig it, sucker. You're the sucker. WWE No Mercy this Sunday live on pay per view. Looks like the trick's on you, Pete. You walk away, you don't hear me say. 
Station 2, rated E for everyone. Practice podcast, practice podcast, doing the noises that we do on the show, doing the noise we do on the show, boo or goo, coming up soon, you don't know what to do. So if you like those types of shenanigans, you need to listen to my show with that guy over there. Alex and that guy over there. Jake, it's my show with Alex and Jake, the flagship show of the Red Arrow Network, everywhere podcasts are available. Ha 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 ha! Uh, commercial break. Uh, uh, hey guys, this is Kyle from Ruth's Squish Podcast. Do you ever want to watch uh, TV, but your TV is broken? Then don't. You poor ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> oh. Subscribe to us on Hulu right now. Do it. Just do it. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where to go. Here's an interesting one. Triple H versus Kane. Winner take all. In the past month, Kane has had an interesting, interesting time. Uh, the night after Unforgiven, Hurricane defected to Raw and they won the tag titles together. And uh, honestly, to me, it seemed super random, just the pairing. Uh, but, but no more random than Kane's explanation. Uh, uh, he said, he said that Hurricane was a freak. And that's why he chose him as his partner. He then made out with Terry Runnels and they had some sort of unspoken bond on camera. Uh, it, it was weird. And I mean, you know how we feel uh, about Terry. Honestly, Kane and uh, Hurricane teaming up just it makes me think of one of those randomly generated scenarios you'd get when you play the story mode and uh, here comes the pain. It's a universe team. Because <laughs> I, I swear, I remember there's like a there's like a, a one of those story scenarios in SmackDown. Here comes the pain for PS2, where uh, you'd be walking backstage, you get ambushed and thrown into the back of a truck or a, a trunk, and then somebody would walk out like, "Haha, we were working together." And one of mine was like Undertaker and Hurricane. That always stuck out to me. <laughs> but yeah, it it was weird. Uh, and I gotta ask, what did what did you think of this version of Kane? Like, you know, just one of the fellas. Trash one of the guys. Um, you know, it, it, it's weird. I've always thought, like, just looking at it, like, looking at his outfit and, and, you know, his mask and all that stuff, I always kind of thought, oh, this is the best-looking version. And I never really thought too much of it because at this time, I never really watched much of Monday Night Raw. I, you know, I didn't have cable. And so the only thing I could watch was SmackDown on UPN. And so I hardly saw this cane. I'm only familiar with kind of like earlier Demon Kane and then Unmasked Kane. So uh, going back and watching this, I'm just like, man, 
he is really lame. Without, at least in at least in this. I mean, I don't know how he is in anything else, but yeah, in this, it comes off as really lame. Without talking too much about it, I think Kane, as soon as he unmasks, is my favorite, just because he's so vicious. Oh yeah, he is, he is a bit more raw. I oh. kind of oh. <laughs> But yeah, um, I don't know. It's just definitely weird, especially the whole Katie Vick angle. It's like, oh, Kane, this tormented demonic soul, oh, burned in a house. His parents died, and then he's like, oh no, I I got drunk at a party and I got in a car accident with the lady, and now she's dead. I'm like that, <laughs> and something doesn't add up. Yeah, if he was like, you hallucinated Kane, yeah, you you killed her in your rage, like that would be like ten times cooler, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, because he got burnt when he was oh, like... One year old. I mean, yeah, like a little kid, right? <laughs> like Yeah, like a kid, at least that's what I always kind of thought. So is he just hanging out, you know, as a burnt Rice Krispie treat, or... I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> maybe maybe he's just crazy. Maybe it's all just weird. He's he was because he, he gets a spoiler spoiler alert if you don't know. Uh, he was never burned all along. It was all in his mind. It was me all along, Austin. Why <laughs> <laughs> oh, you make it sound like Jr. <laughs> that would be a more interesting twist, though. <laughs> it's me, Austin. By God. Well, if we know anything from Jr.'s heel turn, it's that he's best behind the announce desk as the lovable Southern boy. This comes off the heels of uh, Eric Bischoff announcing on Raw that at No Mercy, the Intercontinental Champion will face the World Heavyweight Champion, winner take all, as a means to write off the Intercontinental title. The championship picture was pretty unclear for a while on Raw. Uh, It was thrown around that Raw wasn't even going to have a World Championship title, but uh, just the the Intercontinental title, that was going to be the top title on Raw. that was a, that's according to a story from one Bruce Pritchard on the Something to Wrestle podcast. You know, I always say in my head, uh, the Something to Wrestle With podcast, but it's the Something to Wrestle. I don't know. Something about it sounds off, but hey, not my podcast. Not nearly as successful, so. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Triple H wasn't too keen on the idea of just having the IC title, so... That's that's his his exact words. I'm not too keen on this idea. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, fellas, I'm not too keen on this idea. (laughs) It's a new catchphrase. (laughs) Yeah, Kane, that's one thing, but I'm not keen on the idea. Oh, he said it, he said it. Oh, my God, Try doesn't like this. (laughs) He's going to give him a slap. He just gives him, like, a big old slap to the face. That's his finisher. Uh, I hate to slightly jump ahead here, but uh, I, uh-huh. I really don't want to have to talk about this again. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Katie Vick, uh, what goes unnoticed here is that from what I can assess and what's never really followed up on is that Chris Jericho is the one that gave him the uh, Triple H, that is, the dirt on Kane. Uh, after Jericho loses the Intercontinental title on Raw, um, he goes, finds Triple H in like the locker room. Triple H is taking a shower. He's like, hey, what do you want, you little pips? Get out of here. My nipples are out. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> no, he's with like these two girls and like, oh, hey, baby, come back to the shower. Mm-mm. And he's like, oh, what is it, Chris? He's like, oh, no, you're going to want to hear this, boy. And so. What is it? I'm about to make love to these two women now that I am single. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It's not really followed up on Jer- Jericho's the one that has this dirt, but mm-hmm. he, yeah, Triple H is it fully clothed too? <laughs> no, he's in a towel the whole time, which makes it weird. 
like it's a very small towel. Like you see his dong hanging out clearly. <laughs> like it doesn't cover anything. He's like, "Oops, Jericho, my balls are out." Did you see? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple weeks later, uh, you kind of touched on this already, but uh, Triple H is like, oh, "I'm gonna tell everyone time to play the game," and uh, Kane Kane beats him to the punch. So he's like, you know, I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, it's pretty darn uncomfortable. You know, Kane kind of like changes his tone in his voice. It's kind of like that thing John Cena does, you know. Because for the most part, John Cena's like, the champ is here. But when he's serious, he's like, wait, Barrett, what you did was deplorable. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I think Kane tries to do something like this here. And he's like, yeah, I was, I had too many drinks and, uh. Uh, she told me to drive her home. I, I don't know how to drive a stick. And, uh, you know, they crash the end, whatever. But, uh, um, Triple H comes out and he's like, Tell the truth! The autopsy showed she had your semen, Kane! Your semen! <laughs> and at that point, I was like, This is wrestling. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, I know people say, like, wrestling storylines do to be, or, like, a big soap opera thing, but that just sounds really soap opera-y. I mean, when you explain it like that. Well, there, there's a there's an explanation for that, too. Um, I was uh, doing research for this uh, podcast, and uh, from the IWNerd.com, the original plans for this whole storyline, uh, as covered by Something to Wrestle, once again, um, Bruce Pitchard said, you ever have those moments in your life where there are things that are so traumatic that you block them out entirely? This really and truly is one of them on so many different counts. The original idea behind Katie Vick was, uh, it was a way to introduce Scott Vick, who was a part of our developmental system. We were going to bring Scott in, and he was going to work with Kane or Triple H. I forget which at this point. Scott had some really, really horrible dark matches at TV and on the road. When he got the nod to come up to the show, all of his matches from that point going forward, just the bottom fell out. Vince is like, what the H are we doing? Um, so he changed, and we had already teased the name Katie Vick. So it's like, okay, let's change this and move it over to Kane. It can be his girlfriend. It was it was during a time that Vince was big into, we need more soap opera. We need more stories behind these characters. So we started creating we started creating stories and it came to the story of what if Kane accidentally didn't murder her but was driving and oh my god then the drinking and it just grew it's another glowing example of don't suggest or say things in jest that you don't want to have show up on the show. <laughs> so yeah, that's that was the original storyline of Katie Vick. And uh here's here's a real nugget for you. Um uh ruthless aggression Bonus nugget. Um, I, I brought this up to you. I could have sworn you, you sent me this link, but you say you didn't. Uh, courtesy of WrestleCrap.com, there were a couple fellas who purchased a Katie Vick's cheerleader outfit. Oh, yeah. I think I shared it with you forever ago. Yeah, I asked you about it, but you said you you didn't know. I was like... Maybe I, did, I didn't remember, but yeah, I remember seeing that, definitely. Yeah, so pretty much... Um, it came with, uh, let's see, uh, all signed by Triple H. Um, you get the cheerleader outfit, a signed bra, socks, and yeah, all, all signed by Triple H. 
four pairs of panties because you know, oh. you know she women only women usually wear four. <laughs> it's just it's so weird. That's where we found all the semen. How do you think Triple H felt signing all that stuff? Uh, probably pretty uncomfortable. Like, oh god, no. <laughs> So, uh, would you like to? I, I know you have a long time ago. I I believe it was our our pilot that I've officially taken off for now because that's the first place where people were going. Uh, but would you like to uh, briefly share your Katie Vick story? So, um, yeah, little little boy Kyle. Uh, I think I hold was on, hold on. Ra- side story. Got to do the side story. Okay, a ruthless aggression. But I guess side story. <laughs> um. <laughs> so. Uh, my first Monday Night Raw, uh, like I said, this time around, I was not as familiar with Raw, but it was it was wrestling. I wanted to go see it. Uh, I was more of a SmackDown guy at this point. And uh, there was like a local kind of like a radio station that was doing a, a big old big old contest thing. It was like, call in, be the whatever caller, you get tickets. And my stepsister, who was like an even bigger wrestling fan at the time, wanted them, but she was grounded from the phone. So she convinced me to call into the oh. station. And just randomly, I just happened to win. I remember you had to do get on there and do like a wrestler voice. And I did like some kind of weird kind of amalgamation combination thing of like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Like if they just suddenly combined. I would love uh, to hear that. I, I can't do it. I don't what are you going to say? I'm Bam Bam Bigelow. What are you going to do? There you go. That's it. And... Um, <laughs> I felt really embarrassed because I couldn't even remember. like they were like all right man we're gonna set you up just real quick what station hooked you up with the wrestling tickets and I did not know the name of the station <laughs> I was like oh, uh, I, I was like I, I don't know I I was just calling for my friend he's like oh, it's big ninety eight man I was like oh big ninety eight Ginga <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then of course I'm like ten I've never won anything in my life and so I'm like all right I got me some wrestling tickets and my sister's just like oh excuse me <laughs> those are mine. And uh, we got into an argument because I, I wanted to go. And so my dad, he worked for like a, a hospital in uh, in the town they were doing it in. And so he took the two tickets, gave them to a coworker, and through his boss, he was able to get <clears throat> tickets to like the little kind of sponsored like little box suites so we could both go. And uh, it was a fun, exciting time. I can hardly remember much any of it except for I remember seeing Jeff Hardy and being pretty excited. Uh, but that was the night that they did uh, Triple H's little little uh, behind-the-scenes video of Katie Vick's funeral. Uh, and I vividly remember how uncomfortable I was the whole time, especially, like, you know, because I didn't know what was going on, and Triple H's going on, like, oh, this I got this tape, watch it. <laughs> and then just the whole him having sex with a corpse and, like, all the weird lights and, uh, and he's like, I can't believe I did it. I fudged her brains out. And I was like, oh. oh. Kind of, I felt so freaking uncomfortable at the time. And that's that's a little 10-year-old ten, ten old Kyle's first little raw. But I, I did get a little foam uh, uh, WWE championship. Oh, that's awesome. It might be somewhere. I don't know. Maybe my mom's somewhere. Oh, uh, Tell your mom to freaking find that. No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's a new Gingaway championship. I need to go. I need to go watch it. I can't remember a single thing from that episode other than freaking Katie Vick. That that ruined it. I probably would remember the whole thing vividly and had a good time for Katie Vick. So thanks. So if I'm correct, they that will be the next episode of Raw following this pay per view. 
and that's it. So that's kind of why I want to wrap up the Katie Vick talk and never talk about her again on this podcast. But who knows? Things seem to rear their heads when you don't want them to. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. So Jim Ross, as they're making their interests and stuff, Jim Ross wishes Pat Patterson uh, to get well soon. On an episode of Raw, the three-minute warning attacked Pat Patterson during this <gasps> whole celebration thing for being the Intercontinental Champion. And, um, you know, Pat Patterson, he's fighting him off. And uh, Jamal, a.k.a. Umaga, does a Samoan drop to Pat Patterson. Pretty standard stuff, right? Uh, Gerald Briscoe comes, makes a save. Uh, you know, short-lived, of course. They, they beat him up, too. Lots of Raw uh, superstars come to their aid. Uh, I, I shared the video clip on Twitter and tagged Gerald Briscoe in it. And I was like, yeah, it's amazing to see Gerald Briscoe do this. And, uh, he said, um, Pat Patterson separated his shoulder on the Samoan drop. No one knew that. <laughs> so did, did he, re- did he respond? Did he respond? Oh, I thought you, I thought, I thought you were implying he responded. Oh, okay. Let me say it again. I tweeted that to Gerald Briscoe, and he responded with... Uh, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, he responded with uh, Pat Patterson. He uh, separated his shoulder on the move. And you can see it. When you go back, he's, like, wailing on his arm after the move. And if he listened, you can hear him going, I <laughs> So, yeah, I thought that was cool. He, he misspelled Samoans, but, hey, that's okay. <laughs> he said, took 400 pounds Samoans. <laughs> It took 400 pounds at Cade Seaman. No. But shout out, shout out to the Stooges, um, longtime listeners of the Ruthless Aggression podcast. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So uh, <clears throat> Triple H can't stop watching his back in his entrance. I, I, I appreciated that little continuity. As bad as the story is, it's good to see him commit. So he's just kind of like, I'm watching you, Kane. I'm watching you, you murderer. Don't you don't stab me in the back. Don't, I'm don't gonna you get you. I'm gonna get you, boy. Don't you dare crash the stick shift car. <laughs> don't you do it. Honestly, if you can't drive a stick shift, then you're probably not gonna get very far. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like not as hard as you think, but still uh more hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you get it, then you got it. But I don't know, like, in my head, I just always picture them going up one of those, like, mountaintops you see in, like, a Scooby-Doo type of cartoon that's, you know, got got a big castle at the top. It's real scary and spooky. And they just, like, fall off the cliff. <laughs> it's like, I'm just confused. Like, you're trying... See, that's how you know Kane murderer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't add up. <laughs> oh, but anyway. Um... Stare down to start the match. They they just stare each other down for a while. I guess they're trying to recreate like the tension that Ho- Hogan and Rock had earlier in the year, but to no avail really. I, I almost say to no because the crowd is into it. But uh... and then the match starts. <laughs> Do you really hate the match that much? I don't hate it. It was just so plotting. Like, it's just two big guys, so you can't expect it to have, like, some crazy, agile, like, like nuts match. But, I don't know, I, t- I expected more, you know? I-, I see where you're coming from. But... Maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I was just in the wrong place watching it. I don't know. It, just, yeah. it, it, it didn't stand out to me. It was just, like, a lot of smacking, like, a lot of heavy-handedness. Viewing it as a child at that age, I probably would have enjoyed it. 
and been confused as to why. Yeah, people it's didn't. not. It, it's it's not bad or anything. No, it's just it's as much as they're building this story and like this big feud. Like, oh no, you know he's wanting to destroy Kane's life, bring up the past. It's like it didn't feel like the big grand epic blow off. You know. Um, I don't like Kane in No Mercy. He didn't stab Triple H, so he didn't really get heat with the crowd, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's something that gets lost on a lot of wrestling fans, myself included, sometimes that we forget that not everything has to be catered to what we like or what we're expecting. Because, yeah, yeah. Like I said, kid version of me would have been like, yeah. But me, me now, I'm you know I didn't hate it, but I was like, eh, you know, it's a punchy kicky match. I, I've seen them both individually in a lot better matches. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of also it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, their bra and panties match was just off the charts. I mean, yeah, I mean, that sold the show. That bra and panties <laughs> match uh, for the Golden Thong Award at WrestleMania. <laughs> so Kane chokes and yells at Triple H to start, and uh, it, it probably doesn't help his case if you think about it. <laughs> he just seems like a crazy murderer, man. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> so Triple H, he responds with punches, but uh, Kane fights back with an uppercut and a back body drop. Triple H, uh, he, he's out, and he tries to drag Kane to the outside with him. Kane kicks him and brings him back in. Kane goes for a whip, but Triple H kicks him, but is then met with a clothesline. Kane works him over with punches in the corner. And it's uh, followed up with a followed-behind clothesline in the corner. I don't know what to call it, but it's when they whip them in the corner and are running with them. And when as soon as they hit that, the turnbuckles, they're met with a clothesline. So I call it a followed-behind clothesline for, for those with intriguing minds. Yeah, I can't, I can't think. It's like a corner clothesline. Something. He, he did it well. This is back when Kane could still move. So mm-hmm. Triple H gets a modified neckbreaker, but Kane sits up and meets him with a power slam. Face Buster by Triple H sends Kane out of the ring. Kane grabs Triple H for a choke slam, but Triple H thumps his eye. Kane rolls in, and Triple H and him go back and forth with punches. Neckbreaker by Triple H gets a near fall. Jerry Lawler presses JR, accusing him of knowing about Katie Vick. <laughs> JR says if Kane wins, he'll be the first recognized masked world champion, uh, but I think that's debatable. Because, like, wasn't wasn't Mel Maskers, like, I don't know if he was WWE champion. But then again, it's not for the WWE championship. And Sting was face-painted. He wasn't masked. Mm-mm. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I have to think about that one. Do, do, can you think of anybody? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> anyway. Spine Buster by Triple H. Guillotine into the bottom rope. Kane tries to fight back with punches to the abdomen. But uh, Triple H gets in his uh, patented sleeper hold. I believe we brought that up in the last podcast. They were trying to get this over as a, a finishing move, but uh just didn't really stick. Mm-mm. It didn't stick at all. Kane fights out and hits a back suplex on Triple H. And then we get a big boot by Kane. Big booty, baby. <laughs> and... I'll say this whole time, the one thing that really stuck out was like King and JR would not shut up trying to sell the whole Katie Vick angle, and it does not work the whole time. 
Oh, I know. Like, to the point where it doesn't seem like they're even focusing on the match. They just won't shut up about Katie Vick. Again, it's Jerry Lawler's fault. He just won't let things go. Kane's the best wrestler. I, what am I saying? <laughs> I, I was at the funeral. I was at the funeral, too. I was trying to get a look at Katie's puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Start this whole necrophilia angle with Jerry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Wouldn't put it past him. Anyway. <laughs> Jerry goes on and on about the Katie Vick stuff, like you just said. And JR says, because he, he brings up like the whole semen, like he starts talking about semen. And JR says, semen? I'm having a heck of a time focusing on this winner take all match with all your talks about semen. <laughs> uh, I, I, honestly, I, lo- I, I love freaking JR's responses to, to King's crap. It's so funny. I know. He says, he says, um, he just really bites back at Jerry Lawler in this paper. Oh game. yeah, like it, it feels genuine, and maybe it partially is, but like he is so good. Yeah, because like you said earlier, like I wouldn't doubt that Vince was like talking in Jerry's ear, like "I really egg him on here," and he just takes it personally. Because <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Because there's something I remember. It was fairly recently with you know how they've just kind of unceremoniously just dumped Jr. to the side of the curb, you know. Once again. Yeah he made a comment or something about how like they legitimately seemed to be trying to mess with him at some point. I, I wish I knew I sound stupid, but I, it just makes me wonder if like these kind of things were regular, like if him just being like, come on, semen, like that. They're just literally in the microphone going, Hey, talk about the semen. That'll make him get freaked out. You know, <laughs> I mean, Vince McMahon loves potty humor, so I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, never mind. I was going to bring up something recent. I had to stop myself. So, so it's just so tempting. <laughs> Whenever Roman Reigns came out and says, I see men. And he, winks the, he winks at the camera. <laughs> Vince is just dying. It's like he's saying, see men, get it. <laughs> Vince comes out and he's like, all right, here's why that joke was funny. everyone's just silent (laughs) it's so awkward i would love to see that vince like (laughs) as he gets older and more senile all right everyone here's how it's gonna go down and just body parts are falling off his face like oh excuse me that's my ear it's like the crimp keeper (laughs) this is michael jackson in the episode of south park his nose comes (laughs) off Jeez, it's probably how it'll end up. The guy won't stop running things until he is just decimated. <laughs> anyway. It's like he'll be on his deathbed. Like, he'll literally be, like, in the last few minutes of his life, and he'll be like, uh, Hunter, go closer. Bring, bring, bring me the, the scripts from the Night's Raw. I didn't approve them. <laughs> and then he'll just die. <laughs> no, no, what will happen is... uh. He'll be like, Triple H, come closer. And they're like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> but he's like... No, he'll, he'll just be like, come closer. I, I, I still don't understand Bodellis' gimmick. And then he's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised if he knew who Bodellis was, to be honest with you. <laughs> but anyway. It's... it's uh. 
he's like uh he's like sir uh we need some talent for the 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 house show tour you're thinking bo dallas but who's bo dallas uh, <laughs> you know irs's son i mean the fat one uh, no his <laughs> other son he's got two <laughs> when did this happen <laughs> I can't have a baby working in the show corner. <laughs> Big Red Lariat by Kane prompts a run-in by Ric Flair. The ref is down, and so is Triple H by Kane. Triple H hits Kane with the belt, but Kane kicks out just in time. The Hurricane comes out to defend off Ric Flair, and then uh, Triple H gives him a pedigree for his troubles, and Hurricane's out for the rest of the match. Yeah, the whole interference thing towards the end, it was all just kind of weird. Like, not bad, but just <laughs> just funny to see Hurricane, I guess. I don't know. I love so, Hurricane. Oh, I do too. He's pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. I shared a clip of them uh, on Twitter, too, of Kane and Hurricane. Because Hurricane marks out for them all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, who remembers this legendary tag team? And he's like, uh, I know a guy. <laughs> he actually said that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> what a loser! We hate you, Hurricane. I'm just kidding. I love no. Hurricane. I'm glad he's making a comeback. Yeah, as old as he is, you know. It's it's actually not Hurricane. It's Three Count that they're making a comeback. Oh, uh, do, you, do you remember Three Count? Uh, yeah. Weren't they on WCW Sin? Yeah, they were. Yeah, it's the only reason I really remember them. <laughs> Which reminds me, go check out WCW Sin. My review with. Jake from my show with Alex and Jake. It's wonderful. I still need to go listen to that, man. Oh, it's so it's so good. I know. I'm I'm uh, I don't listen to our podcast. Guilty. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm bad about that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm by. No, I, I I honestly created this not expecting you to listen back, but uh, you know, it's cool. You just go Wait ahead and big. I go me. back. I go back and listen to it, and you redub my voice, and. You <laughs> I'll be like, so Kyle, be like, oh, so Kyle, what do you think of that match? I thought it was good. Oh, here goes Kyle pooping his pants again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that for two hours. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I wanted to say this earlier, but I thought of a new match type for WWE. We're getting oh, so no. off. We're getting so off track. I um, know. We're just having a good time. <laughs> uh, they should. They should just make like a. Like a, <laughs> should make like a like a diarrhea or like a poop my pants match, <laughs> or before before the match, like an hour before the match, they gotta like just drink a bottle of laxatives or something. Oh my gosh! The first one to to, to uncontrollably soil themselves loses. <laughs> Don't give this Vince Russo any ideas. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> No, oh, Vince McMahon would be sold hardcore on that. It would combine his two favorite things. Yeah, you could go uh, to... You, sweaty men and diarrhea and stuff. You could go two ways with it, though. Guys just, like, trying to, like, hurry up and get out of the match and run to the back. Like, doing roll-ups or something or getting counted out. Or uh, just guys being super prideful. Like, you're not gonna... It's like after... <clears throat> it's like after... Uh, after this match, you know, they, they keep going the feud for Triple H and Kane. <laughs> the poop my pants match. <laughs> yeah, and, and Kane's like, Triple H, you had me down and out. You brought me sh- uh, to my core. You brought up an anger that has been in me in a while. When you took my title from me, it's like you sparked a flame by a soul. And the only way we could settle it is a poop my pants match. <laughs> 
<laughs> By gosh, I hit him in the stomach. That's it. Watch out in the front row, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Projectile <laughs> diary. <laughs> Like, oh, they, they, like they, they can, they can just you know, they, they could uh, figure a way just to kind of to rig up a system to where it just shoots out like that on like the on the hard cam side, oh people. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's terrible. <laughs> that uh, they do that today. That one guy that's always in the front row with the long hair, he gets it all stuck in his hair, and he's like, "Oh, c- oh come on, guys." <laughs> You know, it's really sad. Don't you hate whenever, whenever you're a kid and you can only watch like the just like the weekly shows, you can't watch pay per views or anything. Yeah. And so the night a big pay per view is going on, you're like, I could be watching that. Right. <laughs> and you're just kind of sad. I distinctly remember the the SummerSlam with Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Just I remember all the lead up to that being so like, oh my god, this is going to be so amazing. I love Brock Lesnar. <laughs> And then just like seeing like those still frame kind of highlights they'd show the next time and being like, why couldn't I have seen that? <laughs> I know it, it, it always burned a hole in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I kind of wanted to v- explain something along the lines of that. Um, mm-hmm. Because this, this match, you know, I was looking forward to it as a kid, obviously, because I, I loved Kane and everything. And uh, I was confused over a period of time of, like, why it was just lost on everybody. Like, it was never really talked about. The feud was never really continued, X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, I I believe you have the popular opinion when you say this match wasn't very good. It wasn't, it didn't live up to an expectation. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't feel as, like, big as it needed to be. Like, I'll say, like, oh, made event spoiler, like, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, like, that felt as absolutely as big as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like, wow. Like, if you, you paid 60 bucks, you got your money's worth. But this, eh. You know? This felt this felt like a, a better match you would see, like, on Raw. Right. But you know it's whatever. You know I don't I don't want to hate on the guys too much. I respect them. <laughs> right. So, um, but that's you. You don't. You know, kids have it lucky these days. They have umpteen shows a week, three hour, three hour raws. Um, which you know, love it or hate it, it's it, it's there. Uh, Pay per views every other week seems like you know, if you want to know what's happening, you can well within reasonable you know, limitations and everything. But, uh, but yeah, man, this, this made it hard on fans like you and I to have continuity and sometimes just explanation, you know, like where did Zach Gowan go? Why wasn't he there to fight Matt Hardy at SummerSlam? You know, who knows? He's just not there. (laughs) But, uh, or yeah, anyway, uh, continuing on with the match. Um, so Kane sits up, we get uh, punches and clotheslines uh, from Kane. It's heating up, firing up, no pun intended. A big power slam by Kane, and Triple H gets caught midair and placed on the top rope. Kane attempts a superplex, but to no avail. Triple H comes off the top rope, but meets Kane's boot. Kane sits up and signals for the choke slam, but Triple H reverses. Kane big boots the ref on accident. Just poor Earl Hepner in this match. Mm-mm-mm. He's tough, but 
you know, not that tough. Can't blame him. Now he's just old. (laughs) (laughs) TNA Hall of Famer. So Kane gets sent over the top rope, and Triple H meets him there, only to get choke-slammed into the Spanish announcer's table. Flair comes in with a sledgehammer, but Kane stops him. Now Kane has the sledgehammer, and as he raises up the hammer, Triple H hits a low blow. But Kane is still able to get him in a tombstone position, but again, Triple H nails him with the sledgehammer. He hits a rot in the brimstones. <laughs> That's my joke. Boo. Oh, come on. Right in the tombstone. Oh, wait, did you say brimstones? Brimstones, because he's from hell. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's from hell. No. You, you can't... That was the first thing he said when he came out. He's like, I'm from hell. <laughs> no, the story is... He likes fire and crap, Levi. That's the joke. <laughs> get out of here. He's the, but hold on. Okay, okay this, this deserves this, this deserves to be addressed. He's called the demon. First of all, those listening, if, if you, you can, can get on hey, Twitter, hey, more like the semen came. Stop! Right? Stop! <laughs> oh gosh! Shout out, Girl of Monsoon, Bobby Hina. Uh, so those on Twitter listening, um, um, tweet us your your cane theories at Ruthless Pod. And let us know what you think first and foremost. It's but, the conspiracy. <laughs> but this deserves to be talked about. We were talking about this match way too much <laughs> for for a completely okay match. We've had a lot of discussion about it. <laughs> well, I think that reflects um, the match itself. It was uh, longer than it needed to be. So this. Oh, oh yeah. This talk yeah. is that, longer that, than needed. That that, that, per, that, per, that perfectly uh, that perfectly describes that match. It is longer than it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but just real quick. Um, to my understanding, Kane was a normal boy, brother of the Undertaker, and Undertaker sets the house on fire. He's like, hey, Kane, these matches are cool. <laughs> it's like I'm a cigarette-smoking man. And he just drops them, oops, and he runs away. <laughs> That's what happened. So nothing adds up here. I know there's a book on Kane's life in kayfabe. Maybe maybe we should read it sometime. <laughs> yeah, sometime. Do a little story time. <laughs> Let us know if y'all want to see Ruthless Story Time. Uh, just go ahead and tweet us. But uh, but anyway, so to finish out, uh, yeah, uh, Triple H nails him in the tummy. And I'm for real splicing in that South Park reference at this time. I didn't last time. I'm doing it this time. I shall smash your skull like a clam on my tummy. Uh, also noted here, there's a little boy dressed as a referee in the front row. Made me laugh. <laughs> Kane somehow comes back to chokeslam Triple H. And a new ref comes in to count, but Flair interrupts the three count. Uh, Kane chokeslams Ric Flair, but is then met with a pedigree. And Triple H retains the title in 16, 30, or in 16 minutes and 13 seconds. What did you think about the match? I'd say my full opinion, but I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up, reluctantly. I, I like if my thumb is in a neutral position. Uh, I, I'm like slightly tilting it towards up, so you're kind of confused if I'm like up or kind of eh. Mm-hmm. Either that, or I'm kind of like wiggling. I'm kind of like wiggling my thumb, kind of and going like a eh, kind of thing. Gotcha. That's like your opinion, man. but no um i think uh it was what it needed to be 
Um, you know, very punchy, kicky, uh, lots of big spots. Yeah, it it wasn't bad. It just didn't have anything that made me go, wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, nobody was really bad in this match, but it it wasn't spectacular. It's not one of the ones they're going to put on the highlight reel of best of their careers, I'd say. And, of course, once again, we see the sledgehammer really become a centerpiece in the storylines surrounding Triple H. Ever since he decked Shawn Michaels in the back, we know he's not afraid to use it and keep his title. Has he? I was about to say he he he's used it like an actual human being uses a sledgehammer, right? In this match, he did. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, because more often than not, you just see him kind of like you know hold the handle, then put his fist over the end, and kind of use it like as a big old like battering ram. Mm-hmm. No, uh, in the in the last pay per view. Uh, Ric Flair, he decked RV in the stomach, which looked really painful. Uh, and in this pay-per-view, we see Triple H uh, just hit him in the, in the stomach and uh, with, with the actual hard part. So, uh, uh, so yes, he does, but not like, he's not going like, to whip their skull or anything. It's a brain scrambler. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, moving on. Finally. <laughs> Wow, we talked about that for a long time. Okay. Oh, ten years. We, we cut, cut backstage, backstage to Stephanie McMahon and Tracy. Stephanie says, Woman's a woman. I know about ex-relationships. Oh, my God. That, that, that made me roll my eyes so hard. Woman to woman? This, you know, just girl talk? In front of this camera, in front of millions of people? That's what got me. It's like, just between you and me and, and all these people, you know <laughs> ruin the whole thing as if we yeah. weren't watching it as if they, the cameraman wasn't standing right there i know it kills me like i know some, you know i know it's like it's like magic cameraman he's there but not really but i mean when they try to it's like this is a private meeting nobody else needs to know it's like what if they just tune into the to the thing backstage everybody knows there's a room with a single monitor that's playing the live show that only run wrestler at a time can watch <laughs> That exists in every arena. <laughs> yeah, she tries to reason with her. She asks if it's because she loves him. And Tracy says, I can't stand the ground he walks on. I forgot to ask if you wanted to cover this. Shoot. Oh, no. I, I no, You're good. You're good. You're good. Stephanie says, uh, you have to care an awful lot to be doing all this. And she says, she was content with uh, moving on until Paul Heyman called. She says she didn't know how he knew about them, but he did. And Stephanie's all like, what you said recently was a lie then, right? And stupid Tracy on camera is what I have written down. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, since nobody's watching, especially not on live television. On pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, she's like, uh, you know, confidentially, yes, it was all <laughs> Okay, like she, this woman, like in real life, this this woman, like not in the little story or anything, in real life, is this woman a wrestler at all? Have you looked into her? No, I, I, I have not, not looked, looked into, into her. her. Okay, I was going to say. But we are starting a spinoff uh, called Tracy Cast, where we review all the segments. Oh, wait, oops, we already did. Already did all the Tracy segments. Don't need a spinoff cast. <clears throat> Bye. <laughs> um, 
But she's like, yeah, it was all a lie. Paul Heyman put me up to it, and she rolled with it, and all because she wants Mark back. She says, all that unbeknownst to The Undertaker, who's standing behind her. <laughs> ah, he's right there. Like, it's not even, like, behind. It's kind of like in, like in front of the door. Like, they would not have not heard him come in, you know? I know, a big 300-pound Undertaker. Oh, oops, just going to sneak in here. <laughs> and uh, he calls her a lying B-word. A female dog. And Stephanie. He's like, Tracy, you're a lying bitch. <laughs> that was like the edgy word. It was like, if they wanted to get like uh, a lady character who was being a jerk, that was like always the big payoff. It's like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to call her a bitch, you know? <laughs> and uh, Stephanie then ends the segment by going, get the F out. Get the F out. <laughs> no, she just says, get out. So. <laughs> So moving on to trash, or from trash to gold, literally. To say, moving on to trash. No, heck no. It's the WWE Tag Team Championship Finals, Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. Match of the night. Well, actually, I'll wait, hold off on that, but pretty dang close. Yeah, pretty pretty dang close. If I don't not, know. pretty I, dang I, close. Uh, yeah, it's really, it, genuinely, it's hard for me to say which was better, this or the main event. But they're just so close. Both of these, like especially back to back, you're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> but uh, hey, ruthless aggression podcast break. Kyle's got to take a pee pee. We'll be right back after this break. This break. What's wrong with me? After this break. <laughs> <laughs> here from Wrestling Reverb, and if you're looking for a different take on all the current things going on in WWE and pro wrestling in the world, you should listen to Wrestling Reverb. It's available on Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Time and time Blue, a fusion of berries with a splash of cola. Pepsi Blue, it's a blue thing. In my opinion, these belts are the Pepsi Blue of WWE Championship belts. You know, as, you know. In, as in they suck. No, shut up. I love the design. The design. <laughs> I love the design, and they got that blue stripe. Hey, you know, hey, no, hey, you know what I think of Pepsi Blue? <laughs> You mean a delicious, rousing burp after a delicious beverage? I don't know no, why I, I called your burp. burp delicious. <laughs> That's really gross. But... <laughs> I hate I, I, I hate a Pepsi Blue. I'm sorry. It just tastes like a bad blue Jolly Rancher. No. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of acquiring a Pepsi Blue from Indonesia. Probably could That's import gross. it. No, they can't. It's just like $13 shipping, so it's, I don't want to pay that much money at one time, so I'm just like, alright, one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna get it. But anyway, 
So, Stephanie McMahon announces a tournament to decide the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions at No Mercy. Benoit costs Angle his match against Edge, and uh, Angle goes looking for a fight. This is all in SmackDown, by the way. Uh, he goes to fight Benoit in the locker room. So, Stephanie forces them to like not only enter the tag title tournament, but to get along. And if they don't, they'll both be suspended for a year without pay. Ah! So, Eddie, I think we talked about this earlier. Uh, Eddie tried to stir the pot, you know, all that sort of good stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm going to pay them up. You know, that sort of thing. And uh, Kurt and Chris finally get on the same page to defeat Los Guerreros to advance in the tag title finals. But coming out, Michael Cole said, uh, he says, a new tradition will be started. New tag champs will be crowned. And I was like, are they going to have a tournament every year for the tag titles uh, based on No Mercy? Like, uh, like, what is he talking about, a new tradition? Uh, there's no telling. There's there's absolutely no telling. Maybe he means just like a tradition of like... Maybe he meant like the beginning of like a legacy uh, for the, the tag titles. Which are now defunct. Yeah. Well, actually, are they? Because there's the SmackDown tag titles. Now. I think it's different. I, I think they consider they different. are different because the, right now they're the SmackDown, but then they were the WWE tag titles. Yeah, there's there's no telling. It's confusing. Who freaking cares anyway? <laughs> uh, Rey Mysterio has been built well on SmackDown. Uh, on top of being in the tag title finals, he recently beat Benoit and Angle in a triple threat match, and Benoit in singles competition. And they don't let anyone just beat those guys. The title cards keep switching from all caps to lowercase. I don't know if you saw that or noticed that. So so you have Rey Mysterio, you know, his entrance comes out, and then you have Edge! <laughs> so Rey and Kurt start off uh, we have a huge takedown to start by Kurt Angle, all the while slapping the head of Ray. And uh, Kurt laughs it off. Kurt looks for a takedown, but just tosses Ray across the ring. And honestly, Kurt just looks so good. Like, oh, he's yeah. just so smooth. He's the king of the ring. He, he was, 2000. Uh, <laughs> was he actually? Wow. <laughs> yeah, beat Rikishi. Ah, oh, of course. He, he wore, wore a crown, crown and, and everything. everything. A little scepter and a king curtain. <laughs> Ray doesn't back down. He says, uh, bring it on again. And uh, Kirsten Dunst comes <laughs> in and gives him a big kiss. No. Kurt has Ray in a waist lock and Ray can't get out. Like he's like, ugh. And uh, he knows he's not strong enough. And uh, it also makes Kurt laugh again. So Ray stomps on his foot to break the hold. Fireman's carry and drop toe hold by Ray Mysterio. Uh, followed by a Hurricanrana. Ray, Ray frustrates, frustrates Angle with his fast, fast offense. offense. It's pretty, pretty, pretty dang, dang good. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, like, like I said, I was when I was watching, I messaged you. Like, I, I just, I love the just the chemistry between Kurt Angle and Ray Mysterio. Like, they're just like made to fight each other. It's not like one of those like, oh, big show taking on Ray Mysterio, like some kind of David and Goliath thing. Like, it's just like Kurt. He's, you know, he's, he's built. He's, like, physically, like, dominating in a just, like, athletic, muscular way. And, and Ray is just, like, you know, he's small, he's fast, he's agile, and he's, like, creative. And they just play so well together. Yeah, and, and kudos to Kurt for really 
taking an effort to adapt to his style. Yeah, but not only that, like just the, it's the body language. Like you could tell, like just like kayfabe, Kinga. Um, that you know, Kurt, he, he you know he really acts like just Ray just gets under his skin. Like he just wants to destroy Ray, but Ray just keeps just slipping between his fingers. You know, mm-hmm. that's why. Like whenever he finally gets a hold of him, he just doesn't let back. He just like just smashes him against the canvas. I love it. Gonna smash Ray Mysterio. No, I'm playing. <laughs> One hundred. Um, <laughs> so Ray tags the Edge, and uh, Edge hits a one arm. I am the Edge. <laughs> the, the, the guitarist from U2. My mom called Edge the Edge. That's the guitarist from U2. Just the really? That's what he goes by, and he's not a wrestler. He's just in a in a crappy band. <laughs> Dude, I'm about to get that nuclear heat, if I may, real quick. Ruthless aggression, nuclear heat. Um, you two, I hate them. I hate them so much, and I'll tell you why. One, because their music is mediocre. It's it's fine. It's passable. It's below average for my taste. However, however, 2014, everyone with an iPhone automatically got their album that they let out everyone got it free <laughs> that's that's funny like okay uh side note from this i recently um i had an iphone it's like it's my first smartphone I ever had it's like hand me down from my mom and uh it was ancient it lasted like a year and then died and then for the rest of the time i just had like android phones like first one of that was like super cheap and gradually got better but then my most recent one ended up dying on me and so I got uh, another iPhone, a newer one, and I like it, but signing into the, the my little Apple account that I haven't used in forever, and I was going through it, like, looking at, like, what old apps I had downloaded and any data I had, and I'm like, huh, well, I actually have some stuff on here I can recover. And I was like, huh, music. I, I have music. I didn't even know I had an album, and I went and checked. It's just that stupid U2 album. <laughs> you had it too. I was like, get out of here. I haven't used an iPhone in like eight years. I have it to this day. And every time uh, I get in a car with Bluetooth, I hear, oh, 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 oh. I'm certain you can disconnect. All right, uh, just tell it to get out of your iTunes playlist. Or... I think I, I think I can. I just, it's it's a lot of effort or more than I want to just put in. So. Yeah. <laughs> so one of these days I'll get that terrible album off of my iPhone. But I, I, I just never been a fan of you two. I've heard one song of theirs that I'm like, huh, I'm surprised. This is actually kind of good. But everything else was it Vertigo? No, I don't like. I don't like Vertigo. I thought Vertigo was okay, and then it was overplayed. I'm like, screw you two. Don't like but... Vertigo. Don't like the whole like. Have a Dang it. Okay, I was gonna say that's one song that I do kind of like. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like how every song of theirs, it's like in an echo chamber, you know? <laughs> Sounds like they're trying to make it sound like they're just like on top of like a mountain singing. You know what I'm saying? I don't get why they're so popular. It's like, ha, 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 ha. It's like you're not singing. It's like you're just yelling to the wind. <laughs> I, I don't, well, I have, I have heard you two uh, been referred to as uh, the greatest rock band of all time by some people. Heck no. And I, I do not agree by a long shot. Not even like just uh, like no, like people before, people since I say could could uh, throw down for that title. But I'm sorry, you two for me, no. 
They've clearly never listened to Nickelback. Yeah. That's rock band all time. Hey, sh- <laughs> shots fired, uh, Bono. Why don't you meet us at heck in a sec for a poop my pants match? Yeah, Chaz Bono. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's my that's my uh, nuclear nuclear heat take on uh, U2. Never never thought I would talk about U2 <laughs> on the cast. We're going to change this to the, new, the U2 podcast. How did I get talking about U2? <laughs> I don't know, because you because we were talking about Edge and your mom called him oh, the, the Edge, okay. and I said yep, that's yep, the yep. guitarist that you do, <laughs> the okay. guy who was like, you know what, just call me the Edge from now on. Stupid dummy. I think there, I think somebody, I think, I think somebody did a bit about that. It, it's like you got to imagine that dude whenever he started to be called the Edge, just like a kid when they want to be called something else. It's like. Oh no, my name's Steve, but I'm going by the Edge now. He's like, "All right, Jim, it's the Edge." Oh, okay, the Edge. Ugh, you know. <laughs> Ugh, you know. It's like, uh, it's like while we're at it, you know, Sting from the Police. But let Sting the wrestler be Sting, so no one's confused on Google searches, you know. So anyway, so Ray tags the Edge, and uh, Edge hits an arm drag and a drop kick to Kurt Angle. Taz says Edge was an eight-time tag champ up to that point. And I was like, whoa, eight times? It just seemed like a lot. But um, I digress. Is it? Well, that is impressive. Because he debuted in 98. And this is 2002. Eight times. Gee whiz. So Benoit and Edge do some map-based technical wrestling, which transitions into working in the corner. Benoit gets met with a knee to the abdomen by Edge. Backbreaker to Benoit by Edge gets a near fall. Edge works over Benoit with kicks, shoulder thrusts, and chops, and Benoit dishes it right back. Edge meets him with a flapjack face buster. Benoit whips Edge and Angle with knees in the back to gain an advantage. Hey, real quick cut in. Uh, just because I was curious, I googled Sting, and I went to image search, and I- I'm sad that it-, it does take a good little while before you actually get a picture of the man called Sting. I know. It's strange. The rest is just, yeah, it's the, the singer. From the police. Man costing! <laughs> man costing! Wow! <laughs> he does this! He does that! He's a strong he as can, a fool! He can pull a rabbit out of his hat! <laughs> I don't wear a hat! Like, he gets mad at the theme every time it plays. He always wins the diary of man! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, so I got saying. Crap! I yes. was gonna—I was gonna make a point about uh, old Sting Stang, Sting Stang Stung. <laughs> Finishing move. Crap! Who, who, who do you think? Who do you? Do you, uh, do you like Sting's woo? Do you like it as much as Ric Flair's woo? Yeah, because it's it's unique to him. Because you know Ric Flair's more like a woo, <laughs> and then Sting's like wow. Yeah, Ric Flair's more like woo. Wait, he's, he's wearing a mask. It's Joey. <laughs> it's like, imagine that old, like, that TNA gif, like, Sting wearing the Sting mask, but it's just Joey, <laughs> Joey wearing the Sting mask. <laughs> when he pulls the Sting mask off, though, he's making that, like, I'm dying face, like when he had the mouthful of Nutella. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see this uh, materialize. <laughs> Joey, if you're listening... You were welcome on our podcast anytime. Just throwing it out there. Imagine, One day. What, what would you do if, um, uh, after Ultimate Warrior died, uh, his family sued WWE so they couldn't use his likeness anymore? 
So whenever they had the, whenever they brought Monday Nitro to the network, that whole story with Hulk Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warrior, where like Hogan sees him in the mirror, they just uh, digitally add in Joey instead of Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Nutella face, of course. <laughs> like oh, he's oh. there, he's there, brother Hulk. What, what are you talking he's about? Back. You're going he's crazy. back! He's back! Oh my god! <laughs> That's stupid. Side anyway. Track. Get back into the match. Benoit whips Edge in the corner, and uh, Angle knees him in the back to gain an advantage. Edge responds with a spear to Angle off the apron. Kurt walks it off and cheats uh, once more to get one up on Edge. <laughs> so, of course, natural Edge in his natural habitat, on his back, in pain. <laughs> oh God, man. No one did it more than Edge in this time, I swear. Kurt tags in and starts stomping away on Edge, those vicious Kurt Angle stomps. Edge tries to fight back, but Kurt takes him down. Edge again tries to fight back, but is met with an awesome belly-to-belly suplex. Kurt tags out to Benoit, we get a strong Irish whip to the corner. Ray sounds like a little boy when he says, Edge, come on! Edge! That makes me think of... Uh, ah! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it makes me think of... Ah! Right here in the, in the, it makes me think of whenever Rey Mysterio was feuding with CM Punk. And, uh, you know, it was supposed to be like CM Punk playing mind games and meth- messing with his family. Oh, I yeah. Distinct, I distinctly remember... I think it was like whenever CM Punk was... Wait, like wait, wait. Birthday. Don't talk... No, I was just, I was yeah, just about yeah. to say that. And like Ray cringiest like, wrestling moments. It was it was really cr- the thing is people like hold some people hold that up as like oh it was genuinely unsettling and it was like oh his character was you know I was like that was cringy to me. It was so cringy. You know why? Happy birthday. Yeah, why? <laughs> because it was all prefaced like uh, with the crowd going happy birthday, happy. I was yeah. just like ew, what am I watching? I know. I but get I just- it. It's a little kid. It's you know she's cute and all that, but like. Mm. PG era WWE. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just distinctly remember from that, just uh, like you could just pick up like little bits of Ray just screaming, just going like, oh, "My family, my family, Punk!" You know. <laughs> no, no. Ray, poor Ray's family. You know, first Eddie's messing with him, and now CM Punk. Iris whipped to the corner into a trifecta German suplex from Benoit. He then signals for a headbutt and launches a snot rocket on Edge. I don't know if you saw Ugh. that or not. I did not see that. Gross. He went, I mean, <sighs> I don't know which is grosser, like the fact that it happened or the fact that you called it a snot rocket. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's like you with freaking Cracker Barrel that time. Ugh. <laughs> Nothing's as worse as that. Nothing. I can't believe you freaking did that. We were, I was we, sick. I was so sick. Like, Gross. I, probably, I had like napkins in the dashboard you could have used. Yeah, yeah but I didn't just, think about that. <laughs> no, it was just it was just easier to just launch it all in the grass. Yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, well, this is the diarrhea of semen and snot rocket podcast. This is the grossest podcast. Podcast. This, 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 much like this pay-per-view, this podcast is rated TVMA. So Edge meets him up top and hits a superplex on Benoit. So Edge is rallying, and then he makes the hot tag to Rey Mysterio. And More holy... like the snot tag. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh my gosh, man. He's like lightning. He's so fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Immediately knocks off Angle on the apron and hits his head scissors on Benoit. He follows it up with a drop toe hold onto the bottom turnbuckle and into a running drop kick to Benoit. Knees to Benoit's face leaves him hung up in the ropes. 
and it buys enough time for Ray to hit a springboard leg drop on the ropes, and it looked cool as heck. Oh, yeah, baby. Kurt breaks up a pin attempt, and uh, leg drop to Benoit reversed into a crossface. Edge breaks up the crossface, and we get a drop kick from Ray to Benoit. 619 countered by Benoit, and uh, uh, Edge, he drop kicks Benoit to land Ray on top for a pin attempt. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> It looked not. like Ray would have got more pain. That's than that. what I was thinking too. Yeah, fighting his back. Like, my back. I'm fighting back. My back. Ah! No, but no. My back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was cool. I don't know. Just seeing like somebody grab Ray as he's doing the six one nine was was cool. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, man. Uh it's like all four of these guys just like at this point in the match, and it's like halfway over or so. Like there's still like way better stuff to come. Just already, oh. just killing it. You know, four four out of the six are doing pretty dang good. Oh yeah, like it is just it is just showing how just like stacked with talent the SmackDown rack roster was at this point. Like it's so so good. Ray scales to the top, but Kurt runs up like a cat and just hits a super belly to belly suplex. Yeah, and you hear him go like. <laughs> <laughs> the hills work over Ray in the corner, and uh, Kurt works uh, works it over with backbreakers. We get a suplex for a near fall. Kurt sends up Ray for a double arm suplex, but Ray switches momentum and hits it on him. Ray goes for a whip, but it's reversed into a nay nay. Well, or belly to belly. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I had that written down, so I was just oh reading. So <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> Benoit gets the tag and the heels continue to work over Ray. Vicious chops by Benoit. They just look so painful. Mm-hmm. I could swear at, at this point, I think, uh, I don't know if it's right at this point. I think it was, it was before the tag when it was Ray and, uh, uh, Kurt fighting. I saw a sign kind of in the back that just said, I saw Ray at Taco Bell. Boo. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Oh, boo. That's me. Yes. Mean and racist podcast. There we go. (laughs) It's like it's like the signs are are slowly slowly becoming less and less bad as from when like the prime attitude era was going, but they're still they can still be pretty bad. Yep. So Ray finally reverses in the corner to send Benoit's shoulder into a post, and uh, we get a hot tag to Edge. A spicy hot tag. He hit some clotheslines to Kurt and uh, elbow to Benoit. Back body drop to Kurt Angle. Face plant to Benoit. Ray sends Edge into a spear to Benoit. like that little spot. We get a Bronco Buster from Ray to Benoit. A corner spear to Kurt from Edge. Edge sets up Kurt Angle on the top rope. Ray then runs over and Edge launches him into the air for a top rope Hercarana to Kurt. Yeah, baby! The nearest of near falls, Kurt kicks out at 2.9. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there are a lot of near falls. Exci- mm-hmm. Exciting, like, like deserve it near well. falls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Not just cheap, like, here's a finisher. It's done. Oh, it's not. Oh, what? Yeah, I know. So I really appreciated that about this match. Kurt looks to come back, but Ray comes in with a kick. Benoit breaks it all up and, uh, and puts Edge in the crossface. But here's a spot I really appreciated. Yeah, I love this. I know what you're going to say. 
Yeah, Ray comes out of nowhere to nail Benoit with the six one nine while they're in the crossface. That was that was uh, so cool. Like that mm-hmm. is like the best. I didn't see it coming. I was like, oh, crossface, he's done, and then bam. <laughs> <laughs> They just play. Who's that? Just put up this guy. They just play right there. <laughs> I missed that theme. I love that theme. Uh, so Angle serves him an Angle slam for his trouble and slaps on the Angle lock, but it's reversed into a small package. Benoit breaks it up. Edge sends Ray over the top to Benoit as a little splash, and then Edge looks for an execution, but it's reversed. Edge gets in an Angle lock for himself, though. But then Kurt slaps on the Angle lock to uh, to Edge. And Edge Taps, we have new first ever tag team champions of SmackDown. The odd couple of Angle and Benoit. What a match. What a match. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Start to finish. Like, uh, all the four of these guys, like, they just work so well. Like, the kind of odd couple pairing of Benoit and Angle, like, oh, man, it, it just, it worked. Like, just both those guys just took that and just elevated it and then just freaking... Ray and his just athleticism is crazy, like high flying spots. And then Edge, I mean, guy's talented. He's got natural charisma. And it just, oh man, so good. <laughs> I think it goes without saying we both give this a big fat thumbs up. Oh yeah, big old thumbs up. This gets a big old gold star. I don't know. It's like, ah, it's like we say, it's hard. It's hard to say which one's better. Uh, this or the main event. I think it's just because it boils down to which match type you prefer. Like, as far as tag team wrestling goes, this is like, amazing and then as far as the hell in the cell goes the next one is is amazing you know what i'm saying yeah especially for you know three out of four of these guys aren't you know known for their tag team stuff it's just their singles competition edge is really the only one who was super versed in tag team wrestling uh taker and uh wb physician larry uh undertaker he's got his hand in a cast uh uh levi what is the context of the heck hand cast the context is, during a False Count Anywhere match with The Undertaker, uh, we have one Matt Hardy, version one, uh, pretty much get handed to him the whole time, and uh, uh, Matt kind of brawls to the backstage area with uh, The Undertaker, and Brock Lesnar appears out of nowhere, and uh, yeah, he ambushes the Undertaker and hits a big old uh, tank on his hand, like a propane type of tank. Oh, ouchies! So yeah, I guess that explains. It's like, Bleh! it's it's the worst grunts you'll ever hear from him. He's like, it's it's so bad. Yeah, Undertaker talking. It's so hit and miss. Um. So. It, anyways, so he's got this cast, and and uh, the thing about the cast is he's used it as somewhat of a weapon in previous encounters with Bork Laser, and so uh, Undertaker's like, I gotta go in this big fight match, this hand is killing me, you gotta give me this non-steroidal, mysterious medical shot. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I-, I don't think this is the right thing to do, and he's like, come on, man, please, except he, you know, says it a lot more angry. Blink, blink. Then he awkwardly uh, puts the needle next to the cast and squirts a little liquid. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and that was that. Like, I, it was confusing backstage segment because you're getting what he's saying, you're getting what's going on. Undertaker's like, you know, I need, I need some help. You know, I'm in a lot of pain. You know, I gotta win this. You gotta help me. 
And it's like, oh, like, I don't know if they're going for uh, is Undertaker, like, kind of cheating? Is this going to come into play, like, later? Like, they're going to be like, right, right, hey, right. he cheated, look at him. Like, I'm sorry, when I see a needle in WWE, <laughs> I'm just like, that's steroids. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't know. They, 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 they just didn't expressly say what it was. So, that, it confuses me. But, anyways. It was Young Juice, so that he could go back before <laughs> he broke his hand. There you go. No. Uh, but like, but like Undertaker says, uh, he says, let me explain something to you. Without that shot, I ain't going to make it through heck in a sec. Uh, so either you give me that shot or I'm going to take that needle and give it to myself. And I'm just thinking, you don't want to see me because I'm a fire breathing dragon covered. In <laughs> he just, just morphs right there on the trainer's table. <laughs> They use, like, bad CG, kind of like in the Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, it's Trish Stratus versus Victoria, Women's Championship. We, who who was it that, I want to say it was JR, he's like, I, I'd like to describe Victoria as chronically premenstrual or something like that. Yep, that oh, was JR. That was terrible. <laughs> he, he said it twice. Like, he made an <laughs> emphasis of it. Look, this... Woman has woman problems, not like us guys, you know. We're pretty normal, you know what I mean? <laughs> Menstruating, that's crazy. <laughs> but speaking of crazy, that's what this feud has been. They've just been positioning Victoria as this crazy woman. Uh, she's been attacking Trish backstage, you know, since this is a story involving women. She's uh, ripped her shirt off every oh. time. And, and everybody's like, oh, her breasts. And then, oh, come on, stop using your arms to cover them. <laughs> Come on, take everything off, please. No, anyway. We want to see your butthole. No. <laughs> <laughs> when asked about her actions, Victoria explains, uh, uh, she claims Trish was a fake friend. And, <laughs> gosh darn you. Uh, she claims Trish was a fake friend and held her back in the modeling world uh, before wrestling. And she bided her time to extract revenge. She also said she she's like she got mad at her like you stole my my makeup. <laughs> Victoria says uh, she'll do anything to get her chance, whereas Trish will do anyone. Oh, Trish debuts some new music here. Long awkward pause as she makes her entrance, though. So uh, yeah, what do you, what do you think about time to rock and roll? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I really didn't pay much attention to this match. Oh, really? I did the classic Divas match, I gotta go to the bathroom thing at this point. Oh, man. Sorry. Well, don't do not do it with their match at the next pay-per-view, because it's awesome. Oh, okay. I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I will be honest, I just missed, uh, like, just the very beginning, mostly just entrances, so. I, I watched okay. the whole thing, don't don't worry, Levi. Okay. I watched WWE well, pay-per-view spark notes. <laughs> but what do you think about uh, her time to rock and roll music? I, I can't recall it. That's what I'm saying to you, Levi. I can't recall okay. it. Okay. I'll, I'll do a Ruthless Aggression cover on, on the podcast right now for you, okay? okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's time to rock and roll. Oh, yes. Oh, it's time I, I make a draw. Okay. And then her, her older theme was. You probably don't remember that one. I'd say it's it's better than her old theme, but it's it's very divas, you know. <laughs> so yeah, Lil Lil Kim sang her song, and uh, 
you know when Victoria changes her song, she's like, isolated mess with, whoop, go, go. You know that song? Mm, vaguely. You want to know who sings that song? Who sings that song? One, Nicki Minaj. Oh, wow. Old Nicholas Minogio. <laughs> like, when I when I found that out, I was amazed. I had no idea. But it total, you can totally hear it. Nicki Minaj. Like, she, ugh, I don't know. She's just kind of gross. Oh, no, I agree. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of cool. So, here we go. Jerry says, uh, those puppies are exclusive to Raw in reference to Trish. We're already off to a good start. Yep. Yeah, uh, I should say, not too long in this match, we get an, another We Want Puppies chant. <laughs> poor these poor women they're they're they do well they do well with their wrestling but do man it is so because we're at this weird transition where they're trying to like push like more of the wrestling women out of the door and bring in more of the models and oh man like at the t- it might have been because i was a kid at the time or just kind of different climate but like now it is it's, it's just so awkward to watch mm-hmm. i mean they should have been offensive as they were out, but just a different time, man. Those freaking Gen X, they were extreme. X super extreme. Headlock takedown to start by Victoria. Shoulder takedown. And then Trish responds with a clothesline. We get a pretty good kick by Trish after a bunch of uh, missed attempts. Victoria attacks her on the ring post outside. And then we have a fireman's carry to throw on the barricade by her. Near fall to shoulder thrust uh, to Trish. Botched monkey flip to Trish. Mm-mm. She goes to do it again, but Trish reverses into a hurricanrana. Which I always I always hate when folks botch a spot and they just set it up again. Yeah, it's kind of a pet peeve. Yeah, it's like, just, just forget it. <laughs> Victoria goes for a, I think, a widow's peak. It was more of a submission, but, uh, but Trish reverses into a pin attempt, so who cares? Scoop slam by Victoria, to which Jerry asks if JR wanted to know Trish's measurements. Oh, so accurately, accurately calling the match, and JR sounds disgusted in response. He goes, It's like way too loud with it. <laughs> they accidentally, they accidentally turn on the uh, the stadium mic when he does that, just as a rib, and everyone's like, "Oh, oh my gosh, my ears!" And he's like, oh, "I apologize." <laughs> Uh, so Victoria goes up top but is met with an electric chair drop by Trish back and forth punches ends with a chick kick by Trish she follows up with a swinging neck breaker followed by another failed satisfaction by Trish leads her to roll up Victoria for the win so kind of an awkward finish Victoria attacks her after the match, which leads the ref to restrain Victoria, which makes her look crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. The kick looked good, though, when she kicks her after the match. It like looks like it connects. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this match happened. I, I thought their first encounter was Survivor Series, but uh, I, I was wrong. That's a, that's a side effect from not being able to watch pay-per-views as a kid. Uh... I I gauge this match thumbs in between pointing towards down. Yeah, yeah, same. It was definitely better than the first one or the uh, the first Divas match they had. Oh, by and large on the show, yeah, by a by a pretty pretty sizable margin, but it was not like great. It, especially, you know, coming 
off of the amazing tag match, it almost like it just makes you go like, mm, you know. I just, you know, it's it's one thing to to go to to recollect on the Divas Division and be like, man, you know, back then it was just all about puppies and stuff. But uh, man, it's so it's it's unfair when you think about how you have two performers like Trish and Victoria who are excellent wrestlers. Oh yeah, definitely. And they get plagued by the commentary. I think that's just unfair. Because wasn't it wasn't the last pay per view? It was um, who was it? Oh man, my memory is Molly fake. and Trish. Yeah, it was Molly and Trish. That that match was solid. I thought both of them, like especially like Molly, like she, uh, she was going pretty hard. Like I was surprised. Like you know, just like you said, kind of going into it, you just kind of were like, oh yeah, divas. It was all about boobs and stuff. And then you're surprised when, at this point. It was still transitioning from kind of like women's division, you know. It was all a bunch of pretty ladies, but there were some there there were still pretty ladies that wrestled. But at this yeah. point, they just stopped even trying to act like they cared, and it really is kind of kind of sad. So, what would you rate this match if you didn't already say? Uh, just kind of going the same with you, just kind of like kind of eh, kind of in between, kind of yeah, pointing more towards down, but. You know, whatever. It's there. It could have been a lot worse, uh, but it definitely wasn't the worst. If you were to tweet us at Ruthless Pod and be like, you as a listener, and be like, "Hey, Levi and Kyle, you know, uh, what what advice would you give me in watching uh, Ruthless Aggression era matches?" Uh, one thing I would say is mute the Divas matches. Yeah, um, that's actually really good advice. Like, if you want to enjoy the, uh, the Divas matches more, just mute it. Mute that commentary. Just go on YouTube, find some stock audio of crowds going, ah, so it doesn't sound weird, and then just don't listen to the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> just like in the WWE games. No, get get specifically the WWF attitude crowd stock noise so you can hear... Uh, uh, Classic lines such as Xbox Sex. <laughs> I love that. Or just weird gold dust grunt where he goes, Hindu. Oh, God, I forgot about that. That was fun <laughs> when, we, when we played that. But yeah, so uh, I gotta take a bathroom break now. So we're gonna go to break right after this break. Break is aggressive, big pee pee break. See that? That ain't condensation, that's perspiration. They're sweating me, cause I don't live in their world. I'm the X-Factor, the loose cannon, the rogue cop. So come on, partner. Let's ride. New Red Fusion from Dr. Pepper. Who's your soda? City coming soon on PlayStation 2. Rated M for mature. Welcome back to the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Uh, I kicked Kyle out. He's gone. And and joining me is my wife, Stephanie. Stephanie, come on in. Hi there, I'm Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Well, uh, thank you for being my new co-host. Uh, welcome to the show. What do you have to say? Ain't nothing uh, but a thing, baby. I love you. Ruthless. Oh, question. Get out of here. You're fine. <laughs> hey, no, sucker. 
She ain't on the podcast. It's not a book of tea, Pop. No. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> no, it is a Rikishi podcast. I did it for the rock. I am rolling my ass for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for the people. <laughs> Like, whenever you say that, I don't imagine Wakishi saying it. I just imagine the rock promo. He's like, I did it for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Well, (laughs) speaking of Rikishi, uh, (laughs) sorry. Uh, We cut to the world in Times Square with Rikishi. We see footage of him in Hell in a Cell getting choke slammed off the top uh, from Armageddon two years prior. You know, kudos to him. That was a freaking scary-looking bump. Where you just have to trust. I was going to say it's scary for the fact that, yeah, you got to get in the exact right spot, which he did. But the only thing that made its impact a little less was that alternate camera angle, kind of from, like, the bed of the truck that showed that there's clearly a big, cushy crash pad under all the hay. Mm -hmm. That kind of took me out of it just a little bit. It's, It's like a high element uh fun event at camp you know yeah uh cole asks him what it's like to be in hell in a cell and rikishi says it's no joke it could have ended my career cole asks afterwards for his predictions and rikishi is so compelled to call him the taker (laughs) He, he fumbles over himself like embarrassingly so he's like i gotta go with the taker because uh, the uh, Undertaker, uh, he, he's going to win and uh, win the fight match. Because, <laughs> you know, if I had to put my body, it, it would be it would be on the Undertaker because, you know, it's it's his match. Like, get yep. <laughs> He says uh, that the match is his match, just like he said. And he prays that what happened to him doesn't happen to Lesnar tonight. He wants worse. <laughs> <laughs> So on to our main event. We have The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. So, uh, a little bit of follow, follow, uh, uh, to catch you up to speed on this feud. Uh, as I previously stated, Matt Hardy defeated Undertaker in a false Count Anywhere match with uh, some assistance. Oh, yeah! <laughs> We've already gushed over V1 Matt Hardy enough. Get out of here. No, the heck we haven't. To catch you up to speed, uh, as we previously stated, Matt Hardy defeated Undertaker in a false count anywhere match with some assistance from Brock Lesnar. Afterwards, uh, Brock Lesnar, you know, obviously broke his hand. But uh, they walk away while Undertaker is screaming in pain and they look regretful. And that was one little piece that really just tied that segment all together. Uh, I, I wanted to read you a quote from delusional Matt Hardy here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and do my best Matt Hardy impression. <clears throat> Undertaker just got beat very badly. 
he is probably he probably can't compete at no mercy. And if he can't compete at no mercy, then that means we don't have a number one contender. And since I just beat the number one contender, Undertaker, by pinfall, that probably makes me the number one contender. So then maybe Brock, you'll face me at no mercy for the WWE Championship. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go talk to Stephanie right now. Paul Heyman, I'd be very careful. I'd be very careful. I don't know if anybody's told you, but I can slam a tornado. The following week, Undertaker waits for Lesnar in the parking lot uh, after breaking, uh, having his hand broke. He has a cast uh, on at this point, and uh, it says no pain on it. Just written on his cast. One week only thing. <laughs> Matt Hardy is berating Undertaker on the mic, uh, which lures him to the ring to attack. Matt Hardy dodges uh, as the Undertaker swings at him, and he hits his cast hand on the ring post. So uh, he's backstage with the trainer, and the trainer's like, Oh man, your hand may be broken in another spot. Oh no. So uh, Lesnar and Heyman come out with a mysterious woman, uh, which uh, goes by the name of Tracy. I think I've already went over this once, uh, so uh, I'm going to skip over this. Um, so uh, Stephanie, uh, after all that, Stephanie uh, announces uh, since Brock broke Taker's hand, he will be able to use his cast inside heck in a sec. Lesnar gets in her face about it, and... Uh, Taker comes to her aid, but uh, gets attacked by Lesnar. Taker attacks Heyman with his cast and busts uh, him open, so it's really uh, scary looking. So, uh, in my opinion, we have a very well-built-up story here. Uh, it's pretty much two months in the making between Unforgiven and No Mercy. Um, but man, what a, what a great build-up to this match. You definitely feel like it's figuratively and literally a blood feud. So yeah, uh, I I don't know if this is the first time, but it's the first time I recall hearing uh, Taz say, "Here comes the pain." So uh, there's a little little nugget for you. They say Lesnar elected to come out first, uh, but, but I, wonder I wonder what, what the real reason is. And uh, right here, I I have uh, I changed my mind on Undertaker. I've already talked about this earlier, but. Uh, just in this story, he's not been lame, in my opinion. I've I've bought into his character. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I don't know. I think it's just like it's a it's a character that you got to be careful with because if you play it up too serious, it comes off as goofy. Right. Just what deep storylines we have, you know, like cheating wife or uh, cheating on your wife and stuff on SmackDown and on Raw. You have killed old girlfriend. So it's very strange. And I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Except Katie Vick. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. So, uh, to begin the match here, Undertaker starts out swinging wildly at Lesnar, and he misses each shot, which allows Lesnar to counter into a belly-to-belly, which, you know, that's awesome storytelling right there in itself. Just mm-hmm. Undertaker just going for broke. Oh, yeah. I mean, both guys, like, they just throw it all out there. I mean, both of them, like, surprisingly. I mean, not so surprisingly for Brock in his younger career. He's, like, incredibly agile for his size. But Undertaker, you know, he, he's just giving it his all. He holds the belly-to-belly form and transitions into a bear hug. We get some shoulder thrusts in the corner. Undertaker dodges in the corner and punches Lesnar in the gut with his cast, which Lesnar hilariously oversells. 
and he goes, ah! he starts crying. He comes up about like five feet, and I thought he was going to do a front flip. Heyman can be heard uh, saying, the cast, not this way, on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Paul Heyman, just just, just to, just to kind of put a little, little star here. He gets a gold star. Yeah, he does. He, he he is an absolute standout of this match. This is not a one-on-one. This this is technically a triple threat because Paul is just as big of a part of this match as Undertaker and Brock. A ruthless aggression gold star. I like it. For real. Paul, like, man, that dude, that dude should be in, in the Hall of Fame, I swear. Well, it's not it's not if, but when. Unless yeah. they just give him the China treatment for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lesnar goes to leave uh, Hell in a Cell, but can't get out because he's locked in. Lesnar punches the cast. Um, what? He starts pulling on uh, his cast, that is Lesnar to take her. Mm-hmm. But uh, he just works over the arm. Um, Taker fights back and lands a punch with the cast hand, which turns him inside out. Mm-hmm. Is this when he busted Brock open? Uh... No, yes, because Taker lands a cast punch to the head. It's like a clothesline, and that busts him open. Yeah, this is like really early in the match too. So like blood this early in the match, it's already like oh man, it's like this is this is this is real. They're not pulling any punches. <laughs> Heyman just yells in agony on the outside, and uh, man, Les- I have Lesnar's cut bad, but it's not. It, like he it pretty much recovers pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like terrible. It's enough to make it like, oh, he's bleeding. This is this is intense. Taker stomps on his head <laughs> on the yeah. outside. Yes, that was great. Undertaker uses the cell to gain elevation to land on the head of Lesnar as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought it was weird. They have like all like if you just look at the cage, they have all those holes in it, which are supposed to be for like cameramen and such. It's just always really weird. Whenever they actually use them to climb. Because <laughs> I, I noticed he was like grabbing around them. I think that was also the intention too. Because they go up all the way to the top. So it's. I think it's multi-purpose. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it was to me. I always just got the impression that they were used just for cameramen on the outside. It, uh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um, um, I'm something. Stupid. Like a cheese grater. Taker grinds Lesnar's face against the sec. <laughs> Guillotine leg drop on the apron. Taker scales the top rope awkwardly and lands a knee on Lesnar, who's still subpoenaed on the apron. It looked like a botch. Uh, I don't remember it too well. Um, it didn't stand out to me. So, I mean, if it was botchy, they went with it. Heyman sees a hole in the cage and attempts to, to swing at Taker, but is met with a kick. I loved that. That, w- that was great. It's a really good <laughs> I thought spot. It, I thought it was funny because before I was thinking, like, Crystal's watching with me and she was kind of, like, taken back by how, like, loud. Like, if if you're listening, listeners, dear, dear listeners, go and watch this. Paul Heyman is screaming like, Bloody like, murder. A, like a madman. And I think I joked about, like, man, huh? Uh, Paul, he, he's like he's, he's reaching there and try try grabbing him, and then in like the next shot, he totally is. I flipped out. So afterwards, uh, Taker sends Lesnar in the steps, and we get a shot of Paul Heyman, and he's busted open. Yeah, Taker Taker grabbed him by the arm and just smashed him into the cage a few times. But he's back up, and he takes the yeah, like you just said, he takes the necktie of Heyman and just rams him against the cage several oh, uh, times. <laughs> I love that. 
Lesnar fights back with shots on the cage and the ring post. Heyman hands over his belt to Lesnar, and Lesnar uses... Before before that, though, it's this point where um, Taker's kind of on the ground for a while, and Heyman's, like, recovering. You know, he's, like, on his hands and knees, and he's, like, crawling against the the edge of the cage, like, to Undertaker. And he's like, yeah, die! (laughs) Die! (laughs) You're gonna die! (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, then he hands him the belt. Yeah, he uh, he gives over his belt uh, to Lesnar, and Lesnar uses it to tie up the cast hand of Taker. I, I it's there. I noticed the cast is soft. Oh well, yeah, I hate to pull it to your Levi. No, 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 no. It's not a that's, real cast. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. It's like if you're trying to put over that it's a cast, then don't get so close. You know. Uh, I would. I mean, it didn't look like soft, like it was made out of paper, but I. It, it looked like. To me, in my mind, like, you know, I, wa- I was watching, I was thinking, okay, it's a fake cast. But uh, the way I saw it, I was like, I guess how my mind justified it without getting me out of it was that, oh, well, he cracked it over Brock's skull. He's just got, he's like, you know, he's being very physical. At this point, that cast has already been beaten up a bunch, you know? Well, I don't know, man. Like, my experience with a cast, I don't know if there's, like, different levels of, of cats, but, like, when I when I broke my finger in the fifth grade, I had, a, I had a cast that went a good distance up my forearm, and I couldn't feel a thing, like, with my, you know, with my hand and everything. So, if I was to hit somebody with that, it wouldn't hurt me at all. So, like, just basing on the material that we saw as a close-up... That would not bust open Brock Lesnar. That that would not hurt him. Maybe it's a like a cane situation where it's all in his head. He doesn't need the cast. <laughs> yeah, so Lesnar just takes a chair and starts freaking wailing on his hand. Like wailing like hard to the point where the belt it, breaks. <laughs> honestly, it made me uncomfortable. Like it didn't make me uncomfortable. It made me just like I don't know, it just made me like really into it. I mean that's one thing I will say. This match is absolutely like it's brutal. Like, um, it, it's very much has like a really hard grudge match feel. Like you feel like these guys literally want to kill each other. Like it is absolutely hell in a shell. And, uh, when he started wailing into it and then when the belt snapped, I was like, damn, like, <laughs> like he, he wants undertaker to just feel nothing but absolute pain. And I don't know. I loved it. Just so uncomfortable. Like, yeah, there's a lot of graphic imagery in the match, but that, that to me, that really stood out just as like, oh, man. Yeah, definitely. This... One thing uh did not mention at the start that caught me kind of off guard was that this pay-per-view I had a notice in the beginning pointing out that this is TVMA. And I was like, really? Like, I couldn't really see why until the main event. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. So uh, bad, good, bad in a good way. But Heyman yells, "Break it off, rip it off him!" Oh yeah, but Taker's able to fight back. I I, I I just say like this cast thing. I love it. Like the whole time, it's like they're just telling a, a story with this cast. Like Taker, it's like both his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. You know? Yeah. Like if he gets that cast off, he's vulnerable. But if he keeps it on, like he can bash Brock till he's freaking brains fall out i don't know <laughs> well it put it puts over brockwell too because like he can take the hits the, and keep going i guess well that and he has the strength to rip off a cast you know yeah, what i mean yeah 
something that's like a saw. You need a saw to break through to open. Like bone saw. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. But wrestling, LOLXD. Yeah. At this point, um, like, yeah, Paul, he he was like really bloody. <laughs> it it was a little excessive. I would say Paul got. Uh, I I don't know if he like got busted open himself like hard but he went a little too far like paul he bladed bad. he bladed a little much yeah i mean it, and there it, was no need there was no need i i, I don't mind i think it, I think it was but i see what he was doing yeah i would i wouldn't argue that there i wouldn't say there's no need the need is that it's hell in a cell and paul wants undertaker to be dead and uh i don't know it made me feel like yeah, there's more dimension to the match. Like it was definitely sure, yeah. like Paul, like I said earlier, like this could be a triple threat as much as Paul played a part in this match. Sure. I won't disagree with you. Uh also I'd like to add Ginga. Lesnar looks to rip off the cast, but to no avail. Taker lands a kick in and uh Lesnar kicks the cast hand and then finally gets that cast off. Lesnar works over the exposed hand by writhing it and twisting it. Lesnar sets up Taker on the top rope and uses the steel truss to kick Taker. So he's like, it's like a, uh, like a, what's what's it called? He's like in the circus. Tightrope? No. It's like he is in the circus. I wasn't necessarily naming a position. Stupid. I wanted to say chimpanzee, but that's not right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Trapeze. Trapeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A trapeze artist? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to go for. There we go. They don't have a special name. I'm a trapeze. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, trapeze are. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, whatever. Why don't you go home and watch your Pokeball DVDs? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Taker responds with a low blow and knocks him off the top rope. At this point, you can audibly hear Brock scream, My berries! No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to close up with Paul Heyman, and he just looks disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but not because he's bloody or anything. Just, he looks it's disgusting. because he's fat. No. <laughs> uh, Taker uses the steel truss to scale the ropes and land an elbow on Lesnar. And he uses the bad hand. I, I can give him a pass, though, you know, for, for not continuing his selling. but Because uh, he's done well the entire weeks and stuff. I'd, I'd say during this whole match, uh, he's been selling that hand pretty well. So I'll, I'll, take, a, well, I'll take a slip once. I, you could say, oh, it's the adrenaline. It's the adrenaline. That's what it is. Lesnar lands a slingshot off the ropes, but Taker responds with a big boot, which knocks him off the apron to the cage. And it's at this point where Heyman is just yelling, We're losing, Brock! We're losing! Undertaker then hits a suicide dive to the outside. I found that to be impressive. Yeah, definitely. definitely. If Undertaker hits a suicide dive, you know he's going all out. Mm-hmm. Lesnar responds by throwing Taker against the sec. I'm sorry, I just kept writing. <laughs> sick. I, I will say, just a quick note, um, one of the things when it comes to Hell in a Cell matches is uh, something I appreciate is really good use of the cell. And I I don't mean just, oh, look at me, I, I busted the wall open, now I'm going to climb to the top. Uh, just using the cell itself as like a weapon, as a means to harm your opponent. They do it really well in this match. I gotta give Absolutely. them both props for that. Heyman is just rolling around on the outside, and uh, 
I think he used it as an excuse to not be standing the whole 20 plus minutes of this match. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just sit down here. Yeah, I had to kind of stop at this point, I remember now, because Crystal is kind of lightly watching with me, and she does not really know about Paul Heyman. I had to explain, like... Oh, really? I had to explain who he is. I'm like, okay, he seems really crazy. He seems like some guy who's way over the top, but believe me, he, he, he is the best, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely he is. Honestly, going back to the imagery of this match, I think Paul Heyman, you know, whether the blood is necessary or necessary, the blood is there, Okay. So it does add to the imagery. And so him, uh, you know, at this point, both of them are bloody, if I'm correct. I think, I think, oh no, Undertaker's not busted open yet. He's about to be, he, he's about to be, but, uh, he's about to be. And, uh, just, you know, you take all of them being bloody, but like Paul Heyman bloody crawling around on the outside, this, you know, definitely lives up to the first part of the name. It, hell this everything looks destruction desolation and i do want to chalk that up i don't know who the agent of this match was per se but like paul Heyman being the head writer to smackdown just man it's all tied together so well just imagery wise oh i like this match i don't know i can't get over it like it's of of all the thing in it i just can't get over uh honestly i don't know why i just can't get over paul Heyman. like he's good he, he he's just so good in this like, it, it was just, I don't know, I guess I'm just, the more I think about it, the more I'm, like, feeling like um, he added to it. Like, just saying, like, in Hell in a Cell, nobody is safe. If you were just, like, in the vicinity, like, you could wind up in hell, you know? Yeah, this wasn't an everyday match. The fact that, I, I do believe there was one other Hell in a Cell match uh, in this uh, calendar year. Uh, I think it was Jericho and Triple H, but till then the last one was the six man armageddon one if i'm if i'm correct um so you you didn't see this match every day it's at this point where lesnar nails the undertaker with the steps twice which just gnarly cut opens up undertaker yeah i, I remember watching this and being like oh man he he really hit him hard and i was like huh that's nice but then yeah undertaker just starts bleeding and i was like oh, oh my man gosh. he really hit him hard just lots of blood in this match taz even says there's a hole in taker's head like that that, like uh i mean that has kind of gross like is that like did he did he blade or was that like hard blood i'm do you think it's a good question but i'm pretty sure he bladed and it being the undertaker who doesn't well I don't know if I could say at this point he bladed all the time because blood was more common in this era. Uh, but I'd like to say maybe he did it a little more just due to the nature of everything, just the feud. I don't know. It's it's hard to say when you think about it. I'd have to look it up. It's funny. I remember during this point, I think whenever he got busted open, like whenever somebody gets busted open and then they start like dripping, you're just like ah, it's so gross. Like yeah, he got he he got he dodged the. The proverbial crimson mask, like hardcore, but uh, it's funny because, like I said, hit or miss. <laughs> shut up, sorry. <laughs> like I said, my wife Crystal was next to me, kind of watching at this point. She was like, "Oh God," and I'm like, "Yeah, this is bad, but this is nowhere near the worst." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ironically, it's it's not the worst. But um, Taker tries to fight back and is met with a spine buster. Taker punches back with his broken hand. Um, 
and uh, he stomps on Lesnar's hand, and Lesnar just cries out in pain. So now he's getting like a taste of his own medicine. And he goes, let me hand it to you. (laughs) (laughs) The Joker taker. Ooh, I just I just thought of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, like paint on Undertaker. Why so serious? We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> Someone Photoshop that, darn it, oh, or darn don't. It. Either way, <laughs> Taker has to stop himself from using his hand, his broken hand, too much. Though uh, this dummy keeps grabbing like it's nothing. Goofball. So he keeps using it, but. Again, I'm not going to be too critical of it. Uh, old school to Lesnar, blocked by being thrown over. F5 into the choke slam for a near fall. Uh, called well by Cole saying, He's going to do it, darn it! He's going to do it! Close-up of Taker's face just looks awful. He's just dripping everywhere. And he looks at the camera and goes, It's a living. No. <laughs> So Taker signals for the last ride, uh, but Lesnar backs him into the corner for shoulder thrusts. We get a 10-punch shot to the quote-unquote open wound, interrupted by or interrupted into the last ride, but it's only a near fall. Taker's blood is dangerously close to Lesnar's mouth at this point. Uh, what, what, would you, what would you do if, at this point... Um, uh... Paul started screaming at Brock. Brock, get the emeralds! And he went under the, the ring apron and pulled out the chaos emeralds. <laughs> Not the chaos emeralds again. <laughs> and then it's interrupted by uh, uh, Supersonic. Is like, those are my chaos emeralds, Eggman. And Paul Heyman is Doctor Eggman. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like Brock, that. get your hands off my emeralds! <laughs> <laughs> no mercy, two thousand two, and Knuckles. I like it. I should. <laughs> Uh, Taker signals for the tombstone, uh, and Lesnar reverses that into an F5 for the victory. That was really uh, cool. 27 minutes, 18 seconds, Brock Lesnar retains. What a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steven's talking through it was just felt like... I, oh, it, yeah. makes you, it makes you want to go watch it again. Honestly, I think now that we've gone through it all, I, I, I gotta say, yeah, this was probably my match of the night. Yeah, definitely. Um... Just based on story buildup alone. Yeah. Because with the tag team match, it was an excellent tag. I, I'm going to have to do co, man. I'm going to have to say the tag team title match and this match matches of the night. This one just ekes it up a little more because I think the story um, was a bit uh, kind of more of like the, the forefront here. The Tracy element was dumb, you know, uh, and just her was dumb. But the, you know, between just. Brock and Taker was great, and this really just felt like the culmination. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, I think it goes to that question. Thumbs up for this match as well. Oh yeah, big old thumbs up, baby. And uh, we close with Lesnar celebrating on top of the cell and Cole yelling, Can anyone stop the youngest WWE champion in history? What imagery, man. What a star they have built in Brock Lesnar. But yeah, man, that's that's no mercy. Uh, overall, I'd like to give it a thumbs up, even though there were some stinkers. Uh, it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth like Unforgiven did, where, you know, it just ended in a no contest and everything like that. Yeah, I, I'd give it a, a pretty solid thumbs up, too. I think it started out uh, pretty good. It had, like, some 
stumbles here and there. You know, some a, a bit too many like ho hum matches. Uh, Divas matches for the most part were, eh. but uh, man, the, the last two matches really sold it. Like they they were show show sellers for sure. They kind of made it all worthwhile. Yeah, uh, just. And there were no like real hangups. There, you know, there was no. Well, I mean, unless you count the Big Show angle, there was no like SmackDown versus Raw sibling rivalry, <laughs> or not sibling, but <laughs> little brand war well. stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind the Bischoff McMahon feud. As a kid, I loved it, um, but I'm glad that was not like the forefront, like it was with the whole uh, HLA pay per view. Exactly. Vengeance, that was the topic. SmackDown, it was a side, or SummerSlam, it was a side topic. And Unforgiven, it was at the, you know, the front and center too. But here, it was very, very, very toned down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It, it was more uh, focused on the wrestling storyline. I think, and I think that's like what needs to be done in the brand split. That's why the, I think the brand split, the first one, and currently the second one are suffering, is that they don't split them and at least not entirely like they still have to reference both of them in the same kind of light mm-hmm. you know yeah it's like they tried to have a two separate pay-per-views it didn't work and it's because they're both too familiar and they just can't accept them as separate brands even though they say they are right but yeah man uh that's gonna do it for no mercy make sure you join us next time for Survivor Series. Ooh, that felt so good to say. That felt so good to say. Survivor Series 02. It's one of my favorite all-time wrestling shows. Well, give me a little tease, Levi. Who can I expect? You can expect the debut of The Elimination Chamber. Oh, that sounds cool. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh, and, uh, can you... Well, it's this... I know it's wow. this. I thought you were going to be like, what? Really? I knew you were busting my chops. I think you even referenced the chamber earlier. So. I was like, remember when um, John Cena opened the Chamber of Secrets? That's what I said, right? <laughs> uh, Harry Potter and the Audacity of This Woman. Yeah, definitely my favorite book. Um, but no, man, join us next time for Survivor Series. And in the meantime, where can they find us on social media, Kyle? Uh, you can find us at Ruthless Aggression Pod. Is that right? At Ruthless Pod on Twitter. Ruthless Pod, yeah. At Ruthless Pod on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Uh, Instagram, Ruthless Aggression Podcast. And we just started a YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe at the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone who's watched our videos. Oh, uh, you, you left one out. Uh, make sure to follow us at uh, LolXDLevi at <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, hit or miss. Duet videos. I guess they never miss, huh? You got a boyfriend, I bet he doesn't kiss ya, moi. Anyway. Uh, yeah, you too, man. It's just been a big help to, to bring people to our channel. And uh, our, our HLA retrospective has almost 300 views. <laughs> it is the absolute uh, pinnacle of WB. Like, honestly, I wouldn't stop the podcast after HLA. Like, I don't think we go up. <laughs> But yeah, man, uh, that that also reminds me of you saying that uh, we do have a bonus episode coming up. Uh, we'll be reviewing uh, Global Warming. Oh, warming. <laughs> global Warming. We're going outside. Al Gore is going to join us, man. It's going to be awesome. No, no, no the um, rising sea and getting sad. 
<laughs> you know, uh, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, that sort of thing. <laughs> no, I'm just playing, I'm playing. Uh, Global Warning, <laughs> which was WWE's uh, a shot at a pay-per-view in Australia, and Josh from the Wrestling Reverb podcast will be joining us for that. So uh, so go, ch- go check out the Wrestling Reverb podcast. Our good buddy Josh is over there. He does an excellent job. And just want to shout him out and all the help he's been to our podcast to help promote and everything. Actually, yeah, I, actually, I actually saw that Global Warning, and I was like, this is goofy. This would be worth <laughs> watching. And then surprise, surprise. So we're going to get an Aussie take, man. He's going to fill us in on the culture. Aussie take. Dude, yeah. the only Australian thing I know for sure is Tim Tams. You ever had Tim Tams? No. They just came to America not too long ago. You used to be only be able to find them at specialty markets. You can find them in Walmart now. I did. You did what? what I was going to say, I did watch uh, Joey's World Tour uh, review on Vegemite where he eats a spoonful and says, this is nasty. And the comment section is like, you idiot, you're supposed to eat it like, you know, a little dip on your cracker. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my experience with Vegemite. <laughs> Levi, if you, if you never have, you need to do a Tim Tam slam. It is amazing. Okay, I will. But no, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, check out our sister cast, my show with Alex and Jake. Put on a great show over there, man. They're they're good buddies. I actually hate them. I hate them so much. No, but uh, check them out for sure. And uh, in the meantime, this has uh, been the Discussion Podcast. I'm Levi, and I'm Cal, baby. Reminding you to stay ruthless. Yeah.